and welcome to the Computer Game Show. My name's David Turner. I'm here with James. Yeah, hi. Matt. Hello. No, Sean. He makes me sick. He, uh, he texts us this morning going, oh, I don't think I could do it this week. Why? Oh, I'm ill and that. Yeah, still, still able to go on Cane and Rinse this week, Sean. We all heard that. We all heard you talking about going home on Cane and Rinse or whatever it's called. What is it not called going home, is it? What's it called? Gone What's home. What's that fucking game? Gone home, that's it. Going <laughs> They've home already done the going. <laughs> uh, instead, we've got Tamor from GameSpot. Hello, Tamor. Hello. Sounds are like you... an upgrade, if you ask me. It is. It's definitely. We've moved, we're moving up in the world. Um, Don't are you... come back, Sean. When was the last show you did? Was it the one that I wasn't on? Uh, I can't remember. Great, I great show. It was, so. it was, it was you game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, you it was so bad that you fucked off off. What's the point in being on a computer game show without the main one? And was then that you this just, or was that Midnight Resistance? Don't get uh, us mixed up. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, you, they're very different shows. the same to me, mate. <laughs> um, hey, Ben, you you good? Yeah, I'm good. Just just ran in from uh, going to the ukulele launch event to record this hot podcast. We don't get invited um, to those things anymore since... because um, you're a plebs, that's why. Well, I just usually get too drunk and then upset people, and uh, then they stop inviting You should definitely us. be invited then. That's what we need. What happened at the... Uh, how was the ukulele launch event? Was it good? Was fine, it, it must have been depressing after all those reviews come out <laughs> last week, surely? Not really. I think everyone's in high spirits because they are on spirits. So, <laughs> I just um, imagine like, oh, okay, right, we've got all these bad reviews. And they weren't terrible, but they were a bit disappointing or whatever. But And then, oh, no, let's invite all those people that wrote that stuff about it to, <laughs> to a place. Well, <laughs> I think it was, a, it was a fairly divisive game. Um, <laughs> but they're like, we, they get around that because a lot of the people there probably didn't review it like because our, our review was done by the u.s team and none of them are here so um i absolved i absolved myself of any sort of uh pr journalist drama so would you, that was it just a, a copy and paste job then onto the uk site is that how it works no, change, mate, put, put in a couple of site <laughs> is it just one site one team mate uh, I don't homogenized <laughs> one powerful force <laughs> more for gaming an, more of an igm man myself um yeah typical scum <laughs> <laughs> right uh let's start up with follow-up what happened uh was there any reaction to last week's show matt yeah let's, let's, know, get, mate, let's, get, into the, uh, let's get into the main this thing this is getting uh, ridiculous game. matt you've got like what pages is? of the stuff here this is like i'm not gonna read them all what's out that? Matt is sniffing a new storyline and he's rolling with it. So it was all about James farting into the mic. I mean, yeah, it? I mean, I mean, Fartergate was massive. I'm not going to go through all, all the tweets. Um, suffice to say, people were disgusted with you, James. Well, there was there was more um, reaction to David's TV. Come on. Well, I'm, I'm getting on to that. I'm getting on to that. Listen, guys. Get over it. Ain't a person <laughs> on this planet that doesn't fart. The only person that can complain about that is someone who hasn't farted in their life. No, but we, as we, far we... as I know, no one exists. This shit went on for 20 minutes last week. <laughs> 20 Thank minutes. You, Do you know what it's like to listen to that for 20 minutes? Two grown men complaining about a fart. Sorry. You two just need to have sex and get over with it. Tomorrow, do you, you, I mean, that 20 minutes of you listening to talk about James farting is nothing compared to the three hours of actual <laughs> farting I had to listen to. <laughs> and the point is, it's not about the farting itself. We all, we all have a, a dodgy meal and grunt away. We, we, I mean, we've all been there. We just don't mm. do it directly into a microphone and then send it to someone to listen. That's <laughs> well, the, Dave. Come on, it doesn't I, have been, I ate... I ate a curry earlier and I've stored up a fart 
And at some point during this recording, I'm going to rip a fat one. So you're going to have to listen to the entire podcast to find it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little Easter egg for the listeners. I'll still get blamed. I'll still get blamed for whoever does it. (laughs) Yeah, but you've got previous James. You can't just get rid of all of your history like that. It doesn't work like that. Um, So Fat Hippo on Twitter. Um, How is having people hear your farts more embarrassing than actually discussing them at length? I mean, he's he's definitely got a point there. hadn't heard them, Uh, so, you know. It's, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. You should have, you should have heard them. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely more embarrassing. Coming to the Christmas special, maybe. Um, Leon Cox staggered that computer game pod managed to edit out all their strongest content from the previous show. He can <laughs> fuck off. Oh, 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 you're odd, Leon. With your, you know, I could say kind of is a bit, you know, but but I don't because professionalism is, and and that's what. Maybe I want, if we so. send him a list of the farts. Uh, and he puts them on his show. Someone might listen. Um, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be really interesting. interesting Shots episode. fired. <laughs> Farts fired. Oh, fuck those guys. <laughs> fuck them. Don't care. Um, I mean, there's plenty more, but just look out Twitter feed if you want to see the reaction to Fartgate. Uh, next one was obviously t- the TV chat. Was what well, it divided a lot of people. Um, uh, CSA seven Chris Ban. I'm starting with Dave Turnals on the TV chat. Um, then Chris obviously got quite moody. Uh, he said, "If you feel the need to complain about the layout of someone else's front room, I guarantee your family dread spending time with you." That's I mean, a terrible thing to watch say. Watch a Pixar film or something, Chris. Just cheer up. For fuck. <laughs> Um, ben Sign, um, although I think moving the TV chat is pretty mental, I do think commenting on someone else's house is just not right. I mean, <laughs> Stu, yeah. you're all right, mate. Don't listen to these punks. Don't worry about it. It's fine. No, it, it's fine. I, didn't I mind mean, at all. It, it, the TV is in a weird position. We've all got over it. It's fine. You know. But there was there was one thing that I didn't bring up last week that I'd completely forgotten about. Okay. And you were you were ripping on me for adjusting my telly when I have people over. Oh, I can't believe you move your telly. Oh, just to, so people could see better. I can't believe you, you actually think about You failed to mention of when people are over thing. The way you said it last week is every time you get you sat down, depending on which seat, you were moving the TV. No, it's just when people come over. I said that. When people come over, I just adjust it, angle it towards, you know, the centre of the sofa rather than okay. having it directly face on. But the thing is, I'd rather do that than do what you have to do. Because when we come up to your place, you have to move f- fucking furniture around. Oh, I've got to bring this little bit closer. And we've got to... you, at one point, we had chairs <laughs> in front of sofas. Dave, we had here it comes. James here comes on this... the dry bands. <laughs> the classic <laughs> computer game show, dry bands. <laughs> this is where we're going tomorrow. I've got to get this out, otherwise I'm going to die. Like it's going to do me in. James had to sit on a fucking kitchen table uh, chair thing. One of those like fold up wooden ones. I can't imagine he was too Dave, happy about uh, that. Because are are no you seriously comparing cushion. you sitting down watching TV to us having to record a live podcast in my lounge? Yeah, no, I had to move no. Furniture. It was when we were sitting down playing games, mate. You had to move your whole fucking furniture around. So shuffling oh, sofas oh. and shuffling chairs and shit. Oh, James, come and sit on this wooden one. It's comfortable. Oh, at least the stink of your ass won't get caught up in a cushion. At least it's wiped clean. Fuck off, Matt. Yeah, I, I agree to more. This is shit banter. Um, we, it was also um, <laughs> Computer Game Show's uh, first birthday uh, last week, and 
uh, we we asked you know for some great highlights of the year. There was loads. I'm not going to go through them, but um, Ollie Bad Boys Inc on Twitter tweeted us saying, it, and, and not the Bad Boys Inc. Sadly, it's just one guy called Ollie. Um, he said the the McDonald's fridge debate was a highlight. I, do you remember that back in the day when we mentioned about the whole get, having you know what, was it even possible for people to go in and 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 see McDonald's burgers being made? Was uh, that when Tiny Temper got involved? Yeah, well, Tiny <laughs> Temper got involved in the debate. debate. He was loving it. Yeah, thank God. Um, <laughs> Big so, fan. Some other thing, someone else missed it. Um, I think I, I think this is, I'm not sure if it's a highlight or, or what, but um, uh, Samuel uh, at Samant Smith on Twitter, James's interesting discussion points, which are often ignored, only to be rephrased by someone else and then discussed. That does happen right, quite uh, often. That's never happened. It I'm does, not sure it happens that, quite that's often. ever happened in the yeah. first year. Okay, James, give me an example. See, I knew you were going to say that, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. But it does, no, because it does it don't happen. happen. It, it does happen. Idiot. Don't. Um, I, I, I will say this though, Matt. Um, yep. Yep. We we announced that it was our birthday on Twitter because Sean told us the date that it was supposedly our birthday. And then the next day after all that happened, I checked Time Hop and it said one year ago today, oh, announcing our new podcast, The Computer Game Show. So I think we were out by a day anyway because of Sean Bell. Who Can't cares? even get that right. Who cares? Fucking useless. Yeah, who cares? James, the people care. The fans care. <laughs> they fucking love all that shit. They want they want a reason to turn around to their other halves and go, "Yeah, it's a computer game show's birthday today, so um, I think we'll have a <laughs> have get that bottle of bubbly out <laughs> and make a night of it. Celebrate, get a cake. Let's, let's get the oils out. Let's get the barrel out on the radio. <laughs> let's get it on. Let's fucking name the TGCS. Anyway, um, Dakota on Twitter, uh, at, uh, it doesn't matter what's Twitter name, Dakota. Uh, first of all, Sean, congrats. But Matt with two Ts, why does he keep suggesting auctioning Sean's seat since that's how he got his? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't even know what that means. What is this, What are they trying to say? It sounds like a diss. But... Yeah, it does, yeah. It sounds like, <laughs> um, Matt, you won a competition to be here, is, is what it sounds like. Well, I mean, <laughs> we won't go into the truth of the matter, but it's not, it's not too far from that. Um, uh, he he tweets again, Dakota. I will miss him. No, sorry. Okay, there's no punctuation in this whatsoever. I will miss. <laughs> I won't get him confused with Farley. Him being Sean. Don't get me wrong. They sound different, but I often think, do I have to pay attention or not? What? I mean, what we, have we? Has he just? Has he just slagged off both me and Sean there? I'll say that again. Uh, okay, yeah, so referring to Sean leaving, I will miss that. I won't get him. Uh, okay, I will miss that. I won't get him confused with Farley. Don't get me wrong. They both sound different. But I think, do I have to pay attention or not? <laughs> Which I love. One of, he's slagging one of you or both of you, probably both of you off. Probably both, it sounds like, yeah. Um, we, we asked um, people in the week to send us uh, some shooty bang bang pictures. Uh, oh and, my god, and, we had some and, amazing and boy, ones. did you respond. Um, we had those pictures. Uh, Josh Garrity sent one, Shimmy Hill, James Hughes, Nick Parton, Martin. Uh, I mean, Transters sent a banger, but the best of the lot is Alex79 UK. We've, t- we've retweeted it in a week. It's basically like a, 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 sm- a small comic strip. It, it's incredible. So amazing work, Alex. Absolutely. <laughs> the first blew, time I saw that, man, I was off. properly belly laughing. Good old Sean. He, he, he wishes he never said that now. And then he tries that whole, oh, I was saying it ironically. No, you weren't. You fucking love Jonathan Blow. You love Shorty his bang attitude. Bang. <laughs> Shorty bang bang. Uh, final bit of follow-up. This is long-ting follow-up. This is, this is from back in the day. <laughs> um, Dave, uh, in about 2004, mentioned about the how, how PSVR was really just something for arcades. Well, 
at arcades and amusement parks and stuff. Well, it's it's sort of coming true. Sony, um, they say that because of due, due to slow progress with consumers, they're basically going to push PSVR towards commercial use. Uh, things such as Japanese uh, theme parks and arcades and whatnot. Uh, a couple of things. But one, I mean, it says slow progress. They sold like a million in four months, and they've had barely any stock. I mean. I mean, for me, I, I thought that was quite a good progress. But it's also, you know, releasing games for it as well. Would be yeah, quite good. like releasing games, get stock out there, but, you know, and do some marketing, but whatever. I mean, what do uh, I know? No, I think James was against PSVR then, wasn't he? What? Is that what you were saying? What you I mean, think he said release some games for it, didn't he? Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, Miss uh, Gorm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so you were sort of right, Dave. Uh, and, and there's another story. Someone else tweeted us. Um, I think Jake Invaders and tweeted us uh, about this, this uh, story in the Guardian about these VR arcades that are popping up uh, mostly in Japan, but some in America. Just uh, you know, renting out Vive, uh, Vive headsets and Oculus. And it's, this person who owns this one particular arcade says they're packed. But um, yeah. So Dave, sort of you know, Nostradamus character uh, of the podcast. Might, it if you makes makes sense because the, the the thing with psvr i mean i was thinking today about you know if i suddenly had an influx of money i would probably get a ps4 pro over a psvr oh now. yeah definitely yeah there's no point getting a VRP psvr right now yeah but we were saying for ages like especially after that launch weekend oh we would definitely get a psvr over a pro definitely yeah yeah, yeah but you got a 4k tv now it's yeah it's all about a pro um, that's the way for follow up. If you want to tweet us, it's at Computer Game Pod on Twitter or the Computer Game Show at gmail.com. We love your feedback, whether we're right or whether we're wrong or whether you can't be fucked with James Farley anymore. Let us know <laughs> and, uh, and we'll read about next week. What are you talking about, Matt? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, well, some of them are quite derogatory. Right, news. <laughs> quite derogatory about you, Matt, as well. Some of them are suggesting that you bought your seat here. You know, it's uh, well, not mentioning that. Money changed hands. I don't deny that. It's fine. We're friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, but basically, uh, I, I paid on the Patreon, and now I'm here every week. That's fine. <laughs> James, uh, man, you're getting absolutely slaughtered this week. That happens every week. So, so I'm, not I, really I'm sort of on one because because Palace are winning a football match. I'm sort of on one tonight, so it's gonna be give me a lively one. James, what's the news? Okay, so we got the Scorpio specs reveal, which Matt has go. then just pasted in like about a million tweets from different people all saying very reasonable things that he's angry about. Can so, I just say, yeah, right, whoa, that's because whoa, I Matt, didn't say went, that. Matt went nuts the, the, the day that this was released, right? He went absolutely crazy in the WhatsApp group, like having to pop up people on Twitter for getting angry about it and all this sort of stuff. So, Matt, what was your stance? So, the, the we knew that it was just going to be like sort of a, a, a specs reveal. Um, the article went up on Eurogamer and lots of information there. And then you went nuts. Why? What, what happened? What was going on in your head? Um, I guess first of all, w- w- this isn't a. Pro- if you want specs, this is not the place to come. We're clearly not going to go through it. I mean, if suffice to say, Scorpio looks powerful as fuck, um, and uh, that's that. Or, a Eurogamer did a really good piece, uh, basically boiling it, um, simplifying all, all the specs and stuff. Um, I'm sure Gamespot did one too, right, Tomor? Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was based on Eurogamer's um, specs because they had the exclusive big style, big style. Um, yeah, so, but, but suffice to say, Scorpio is, is, is powerful as fuck, and we'll hear more later. But, yeah, I, I, I did get pretty fucked off, uh, and I'm not really an angry man, but it was, it was an annoying day on Twitter, shall we say. So, um, you know, it, this was only ever going to be a spec, a spec release. Yeah, um, yeah, 
basically digital foundry said as much uh, we're, we're never going to get a, a launch date the name of the console what the console looks like we're never going to see games because microsoft are going to do that on the, on their own time at their own conference or you know or e3 whatever digital foundry were never going to be the ones to reveal what the what sort of the uh the the sense of what the games console is about what what microsoft are doing in the next generation they're never going to do that and yet loads of people were fucked off saying that Microsoft, you know, blew it that that they didn't tell people why they needed to get one over a PS4. There were no games. When are we going to see the console? Oh, it was it was fucked me off so much. Yeah, but Matt, like, it was they just did... going to be a spec upgrade. Yeah, but a spec, we know uh, that. So. It, that wasn't the point, though. A lot of people were annoyed because they didn't see what the point of this was. Like, what was the point of releasing this information? Well, um, I, I think there's, I think there's, I think there's loads of points. One, I think it makes sense to give it to someone at Digital Foundry who are well-respected a publication on on, uh, on on the net who basically just focus on. on specs, so Bef- they know their stuff. Okay, before we get into this, can I ask you a question? I like doing this. Okay, <laughs> I like doing this. <laughs> let let me ask you a question, Matt. He's written this down. I, no, no, I, 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 written this down. I promise you, I haven't written this down. But it, I just I put it to you, Matt. I put yeah, <laughs> I, I put it to you, Matt. What what okay. is the the problem with the Xbox One at the moment. What's the problem with it? Um, well, it, it started off poorly. Um, it hasn't really got much in the way of major exclusives. Um, and uh, it's, it's not as powerful as PS4. It, um, uh, I hate the UI. I mean, should I go on? Yeah, you, you can. Go on, continue. No, no, no. That's, that's about it. Because the thing is, right, is the main... What it seems at the moment is that the main problem with the, with the Xbox One is that particularly coming into this first quarter, there's no games. There's like there's hardly anything sort of really coming out for it that anybody really sort of cares about, and you know the thing that obviously Microsoft is saving all this stuff for E3. That's the plan, right? But you said in our WhatsApp group that you think that they've learned their lessons from you know from the Xbox One like launch, the original launch, and that this thing proves that. I don't think it uh, does. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I definitely th- learned all their lessons, but I think they've learned a major one. I mean, one of the yeah, I know we discussed this in the WhatsApp group, but one of the when they first announced it, you know, a lot of were pissed off because of the whole always on DRM and had to be always online and can't you know can't swap secondhand games. There's loads of stuff they did wrong immediately that fucked people off. But one of the other key things that that was really apparent really early on is that this was not as powerful as PS4, and. And, and, and that's basically been the mindset for, you know, from here, from here, from there on out, basically, you know, um, for the last few years, everyone knows PS4 is more powerful. I mean, technically, I, I believe that's probably the case, but actually the gap between them is, is really, really marginal. Um, but anyway. So, but what I might, I'll offer my two cents on this. I don't think they screwed up, but I don't think they put their best foot forward. So the problem that they have is they starting in a, with the, they're coming in with a mid-generation iteration on a console that exists already. So because of that, the Xbox One, the Scorpio, it carries the same perceptions as the... It carries the baggage of the Xbox One, which is it has no games. It's kind of, you know, it's difficult to use. So what they needed to do was to wipe all that away and show the world, like Sony did with the PlayStation 4, that they're refocusing on games. They needed to take an approach similar to the way Apple does it. So when Apple reveals new hardware, they tout the actual specifications, but they also show how it applies to 
they're real world, real world scenarios. So they're not just saying you've, we've got a powerful new camera. They're showing you how that powerful new camera matters to you in the way you use your phone and take pictures. So they came along with Scorpio and they basically did the same thing as they, they did with the Xbox One reveal. They focused on a part of the console that has very little application to gamers. So they started off with the Xbox One with being like, you know, here's all this um, TV stuff that it does. And it left everyone saying, what about games? What do we do with these games? So that's that's their starting point from Scorpio. They needed to come out and say, these are the games that you're going to be playing. And these games are powered by this hardware. This is the new powerful hardware. We've got eight quadrillion cores in it which means Forza is going to look like this. We've got this physics rendering, which means Crackdown's going to behave like this. But instead, they dumped out some very dry information that very few people, other than the people that read Digital Foundry, and beyond that, the people on hardcore websites like IGN and GameSpot, can pass. The average gamer doesn't sees, sees all those specs and it's just like, okay, this is meaningless to me. I'm looking at matrix code right now. How, what does this mean to me? So they can be told, okay, you've got more powerful system here. It's more powerful than the PS4. But in their mind, they're not seeing that. They're not showing, they're not seeing any games that look better than Horizon. All they're thinking is you've got a very powerful piece of hardware. You've shown in the past that you can give us powerful hardware and utterly screw it up with very few games and mixed messages. So I think that's where a lot of the Twitter reaction comes from. They needed to be clearer and they needed to show that they've refocused on games and services that are valuable to gamers and they just didn't do that. I think, like I said, I don't think they screwed it up completely, but I think that they didn't put their best foot forward and to some extent they didn't learn from their mistake with the Xbox One's reveal. Uh, yeah, I mean, Matt, I, Matt I, is seething right now. That's no, exactly no. what I, I mean, was trying to say, yeah, but I, much better. It's... <laughs> all of that makes sense, of course. Uh, but but I, but I just think that I think that this isn't a reveal, and that they're going to do all that obviously at E3. I, I think they got this out there now, so when uh, E3, it can just be about the games. They're not going to spend. Hold on, Matt. Yeah, but who cares? Last well. week you were kicking off about the Destiny thing, and you're doing exactly the, the exactly the same shit that you were complaining about the last one. Well, like for well, Destiny- well, okay, but the Destiny thing, it was like hyped up, you know, big trailer, big trailer, big reveal, and it's just a CGI trailer that told us nothing. Um, this, it, it wasn't like, it, this was basically, you know, it, here's, here's the specs, and we got the specs, and then, and then E3 is when they're going to just focus on games and don't have to worry about the specs. Rather than, rather than, put, you know, when E3 is happening and they're talking about this spec and that spec and, and, and this core and that core, people won't be like, questioning it, saying, how does this relate to PS4 or how, or how does this relate to anything else? So, but we know that now, and a respected publication like Digital Foundry have gone through it, and, uh, and, uh, and by going through them, I think that gives them more credence, so it's not just like, like end gadget saying oh it's really powerful and this that, and the other or it's not just it's not a mystery of say the switch and people don't really know how powerful the switch was we know how powerful the xbox the new scorpio is and that we, we can get sort of out of the way with and now everyone's in the same mindset that the xbox one the scorpio is powerful as fuck and no i'm quite finished so, so, so how, how have you not finished you've been so talking the, for I've half an hour more. so the e3 yeah it's just about <laughs> the games really so, so they can just go back yeah here's a game here's a game here's a game i totally appreciate it. yes they haven't they haven't told us why we need to own one but but that was that was never going to be the case now this is just the for the hardcore spec nerds who really care about how many cores this has got versus ps4 pro and stuff but um, matt even that stuff, though, I don't think really matters to people that buy Xboxes like that much. 
because oh, no, I, I mean, what, I, I think is... it totally does for the hardcore. Like, oh wow, you know, we've got more, we've got more cores than you Sony twats. Yeah, but if you're going to start <laughs> playing that game, then that, you lose to PC every time. Because it's, I mean, what what is, I mean, even with, I mean, I, I don't know a huge amount about the specs for this, but it is like it's like a mid range PC, yeah. I mean, it's not like well, it, it, it's like a it's like a ten seventy. It's 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 near near a high high end, but obviously these are these are this is a system where people can optimize for. So you know, so it 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 won't be like it's never the same as a it it it, it will still look amazing. I mean, people have done amazing things with a three sixty back in the day that you know it had had no right to look that good. Uh, they can optimize for the system, but okay, I, two things, I two just, things, Matt. Yeah, in terms of power, that yep. isn't that isn't the overall factor in in this thing. I mean, we know that the PS3 was technically more powerful than the Xbox 360. The Xbox 360 clearly won that generation of uh, consoles, right? Secondly, I'd like to put a question to you that you put to me when I was saying that the Destiny, you know, trailer last week was well, all right. Was all about Destiny. Yes, yeah. Listen. Why now? Why are you reveal? What 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 are you telling us? Like the, the, it's not it's not really telling us anything other than what's inside the box. But right now, I'm not. And I will say it is quite funny because there was a lot of people going when the uh, article went up. There's a lot of people going, "Yawn, boring. Who cares about this? Specs are boring and all this sort of stuff." They're the same people that take the piss out of people that want to see what the actual console looks like. Who cares what it looks like? It's what's inside that matters. It just seems to be like everyone just like has a, 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 a sort of written like sort of basic comeback for anything anyone does these days. It's weird. I kind of sit in the middle, right? I I don't think they fucked it by um, revealing it in this way. Um, I kind of see what Matt's saying that it is them kind of just, you know, this is what's in the box, so we don't have to uh, focus on that during the E3 period and when we're doing our other pushes for uh, marketing for this thing. Uh, but at the same time, I do kind of it has no relevance to me any of this stuff. I'm just kind of going, okay, well, it's a little bit more powerful than the the PS4 Pro. Good. That's it. That's, you know, that's the thing because with the the power thing, it is like you know saying oh it's more powerful. It's like well yeah we knew that you know it's obvious it was going to be more powerful, but you need to show why that matters. You know why that why that. I think it's a quite a big missed opportunity. The fact that they decided to show it off now when very little else is happening was an opportunity to send a very clear, you know, focused message. And although we've got the specs, that's all well and good. I'm like I said earlier, and like what Dave just said, I don't think they've utterly fucked it. But the problem they have now is they're going to be trying to win people over at the same time as Sony will no doubt be bringing out big guns f- around E3, as will Nintendo. So the conversation is going to be a lot of you know three different companies showing, and at a time when Sony is so far in the lead and Nintendo is kind of making quite a quite big waves with the switch it might you know they risk again being drowned and their message not being heard properly they took it they 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 made a smart decision in announcing talking about the xbox scorpio or whatever it's going to be called at a time when no one else was saying anything you know it's pure silence but they didn't make the most of it this was i think a missed opportunity and it they like I know Microsoft, I think that Phil Spencer's doing amazing things at Microsoft, and he's kind of spearheading this. And I think that he's definitely got a vision, a smart vision. And I think that they'll definitely deliver on games as well. But they still have a ways to go in timing their announcements and knowing what to speak about when. I think this is a definitely a huge missed opportunity. They could have had, they could have made the most of it. Like just show any game, like a single new game would have been it. 
just something for the Xbox fans to kind of point to and say, look, this is the potential that, that the uh, Scorpio represents. Instead, we got a version of Forza, which, you know, is, is almost redone and, you know, uses the original Forza was it six engine to run on Scorpio. So it's something that they, people have seen before. And also Forza is not, it is a big franchise, but it doesn't, you know, it's for it's a niche audience. Seller, it? Yeah, it's not a system seller. So this was an opportunity to come out with like even 10 seconds of a new game and say, this is like, this is what you can do. Like, and we'll show you more at E3. And the fact that they didn't do that, it kind of leaves people kind of just shrugging at the same time because you've got to remember like people live in the now especially in games like people are making thinking about purchasing decisions now so if you're in that scenario at a time when switch is out brand new and ps4k you know ps4 pro is out there another potential new purchase for people if they're weighing those two things up and then microsoft comes along and just spills some gobbledygook about hardware that that might be the thing that pushes the potential purchasers to just go, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm just going to buy a PS4. It's, it does everything I need it to. Now it's got a crap ton of games, and Sony seem to be just showing off loads more games. Or they could be like, oh, this Nintendo thing is doing really well. Zelda's got 10 out of 10s everywhere. I understand these. I know what these are, and I've got the money to buy something now. Whereas if they had come out and said, you know, here's all these games, that might have been an opportunity to have people think, you know what, I'm going to save my money. I'm going to hold on for a little more information on this. As it currently stands, I I would if I was trying to buy a console now, thinking about purchasing a console, there's no way I'd be waiting for a Scorpio because I don't know anything about it. It's just hardware. I can build a PC with those exact same specs that they just gave me. What's so what, the point? what what do you think the thought process was then? Why why do you think they've done it this way? I, I honestly for? I honestly don't know. I think it was it was well meaning. It's it's quite interesting that it went to Digital Foundry as well. Digital Foundry and Eurogamer aren't on a global scale, for example, uh, as a website in the same way that Gamespot or IGN is. And I think it was is is a, a well-meaning, good-hearted thing for them to do to go to a place like Eurogamer and be like, "You guys are the best in the business at specs, so we're going to give you this stuff, and you can, you know, the audience will know, your audience will know that we've got the best, most powerful hardware there is." But I don't understand why they didn't accompany that with something else. And, you know, I'm not saying like they should have told all the websites to be like, here's the games that we're showing. Like, even if you're giving the game exclusives to to Eurogamer, like that would have been amazing. But I, I honestly can't figure out what it was about it that that they, why they decided to do it now and only show that. It might be them thinking, let's get the ball running. It might be what Matt said, like, let's get all the hardware boring stuff out of the way. But I think, like I said, they missed the trick by not, accompanying some something that people can latch onto the people that can you know rep, hold up and say this is the game that we're kind of looking forward to this is the future of xbox they can't people can't argue like and the problem is when you start arguing about hardware and you, you know arguments are happening online about what xbox over playstation and when all you've got is hardware you're going to leave your fans on the back foot when it's it's just every time someone says oh but scorpio can do this the reply is going to be name one game that runs for it Name one game that looks cool right now. That's the that shuts down all kind of like discussions about Xbox versus PS4 right now. So I honestly I think it was like it came from a good place, but kind of botched from my perspective. Like I said, I don't think they've utterly fucked it, and I think that they'll have some really cool things for it. But you know, if I if I had a say in it, I'd been like take the Apple approach, show people why this matters in a way that they understand. I mean, yeah. I, I do agree with you, Dave. When you said "why now," I mean, although I think I think I've, I'm right in saying that I read 
that some some of Xbox said that they will be doing other they're going to go to other um publishers online you know um other outlets who are specialized in in different subjects and they'll be giving them various exclusives or talk about an element of the console with them and and do things like that so hopefully there is this it's not just this then nothing then e3 i mean that in my mind would be confusing and weird and it would be a case of why now and maybe that maybe they felt like they were being pushed maybe something was going to leak maybe they felt like they had to act now to yeah, because it was silent, as, as Tamor said, I'm not sure, but it feels like the only, there's no, the only good reason for them to do something now would be if they had a plan. So every two weeks or, you know, three weeks, there'll be another bit of news to lead up to the main Scorpio uh, announcement and, um, uh, and unveiling at E3. I mean, I, I do agree with you there, Tamor. I mean, I, if they had had just 10 seconds of like the new Halo or another, or another game or a big exclusive, you know, that, that would be massive. But that, that again would be going to much more of a, of a traditional reveal. And this is something that they clearly want to control. Uh, and they want to, I guess, save, save for E3, um, or some other time. But, uh, yeah. See, I think, I think that's an interesting, that would be an interesting way to approach it. But I feel like, if you if they're gonna take that approach and kind of drip feed information, they I imagine they'd wanna avoid games. Like you don't wanna, you know, start talking about games outside of E three um and one by one do it. Like either you come out and you show a game and say this is our thing and then you stay silent until E three and then you do more. Or they're gonna come out and maybe if they do take the approach that you suggest, talk about again things outside of games and you know, services and how Xbox Live will run and our new controller and that kind of thing. And I think that has the equal chances of frustrating people as it does exciting them. Um yeah. And I I, I mean I, I, I am with Matt in a sense that I think E three is gonna be where where they focus on all this stuff and i i'm in the same way as i was about destiny i'm not too bothered with because it's so early i'm not too bothered about things coming out like this it's not really a big um deal for me and i just kind of think well later on down the line they'll do all that stuff where they say this is why you want the the new xbox this is why this is important uh so i think we'll get there but uh, I don't know, man. It's just getting me so pumped for E3 this year. I, I, I think we're going to see some really big things from pretty much everyone. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I knew the actual Scorpio thing was going to be interesting. I think this has just made it more interesting because this is unprecedented, really. No other console manufacturer has revealed specs in this way, and it's it's a strange way of, of doing it. But I, I honestly think that they're doing this, so now the mindset is Scorpio is powerful rather than Scorpio is not as powerful as PS4. I think by doing this, everyone knows Scorpio is powerful. Now it's about what are the games. Um, and yeah, that's something Microsoft has struggled with for, it feels like a fairly long time now, but yeah, now it's up to the games to really, really, really showcase what this console is about. And it's not just power. That power is going to, to, to produce experiences you can't get anywhere else. Hmm. Okay, cool. That's probably that covered, isn't it? Should we uh, move on to something else? Or I'll probably James, two hours worth, else to... but yeah, we'll, we'll save it. <laughs> did you have anything else to add, James? No, I've got nothing else, no. Good. That's uh, next news item. So the the other thing we've got on here is there's a Nintendo Direct coming next week. Oh, no, this week, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah two yeah, days' time, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it looks like it's mostly just going to be Splatoon 2 and ARMS. And What makes you say that? Well, the release, what they said. What, what what did they say? I don't know Matt. You you were the just, one who just said the it was facts. Say James, just just the facts. Let's uh, let's get some sort of 
content in this? What, what, what I mean, you want me to jump in here? Yeah, yeah go, on, go, on. go on. Cheers. To so they said um, they have a Nintendo Direct that's going to focus mainly on Splatoon 2 and ARMS. Um, however, uh, they also said in the press release that they will be talking about 3DS games and Switch games. So in, they didn't specifically say they're definitely talking about loads of games, but it seems like there will be maybe a few teases or a bit of information about other games beyond Splatoon 2 and ARMS. That's pretty much all they've said for now. Pretty probably just going to be release dates for those games. Have we, have we got a release date for um, Splatoon 2 yet? No, I think they're both just summer, aren't they? Just summer, well, I right. know it's Splatoon summer. I think ARMS might be May, but... So it'd be release dates then, I think. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I uh, At least it's on a decent time that I can actually watch it this time rather than being at work and just checking what people are saying on Twitter. Is there is there anything sort of... Has there been anything rumoured for 3DS? Is there like a big franchise that people are waiting for? Or is it really unknown at this point? Because There's everyone's more assumed... stuff that's coming but yeah, yeah. I, I know that that yeah i know that, that comes out in may isn't it that tales of it you know valencia or whatever it's called see i mean i kind of wish that i was just saying you know i kind of wish that they kind of bin the 3ds off now and just focus on the switch but i know that they're not going to do that because they'd be crazy to do that because it's obviously making them still a ton of money but uh-huh. it just feels a bit like the switch has got really good momentum at the moment and it'd be really good if they just focused on that but they won't. Yeah, but what are they? They haven't got nothing to focus on it with, have they? At the moment, I mean, we've got arms and we've we've got uh, Splatoon two, and I th- there's not much coming well, out. Yeah, it's Mario Kart. Mario yeah, Kart. I think yeah. For three DS, um, I haven't been paying attention to what games are out now, but I think there might be like a Mario Sports game oh, that came out. Um, that was did that come out? Yeah, I, I reviewed that. D- oh, don't okay. buy it. There was that. There was that. <laughs> there was that. Um, there was that Professor Layton spin-off, wasn't there, announced a little while back. I'm not sure if that... I don't think that's out yet. Um, the Lady Layton or something like that. Um, that's Japan only, I believe, right now. So they might talk about bringing that over or something like that. Um, and I think there's a few other smaller games. Like uh, I think I can't remember if that Box Boy game is out yet. Um, but they have a few smaller and indie games that are in the pipeline that they could talk about. I have no interest in ARMS. Um, that is a game that um, everyone was hopeful and saying, oh, no, it could be good, but I really can't see anything other than just a game where you're flailing your arms about a bit again. I played it at the uh, event that you guys also went to, and um, I thought that it, it had an interesting potential. Like They were talking it up as if it was a super professional, kind of like high-skill ceiling fighting game, and although I don't see it reaching that, um, I feel like it's got the same kind of pick up and play charm and style as something like, uh, did you ever play Ready to Rumble on? Oh Dream yeah, Tiles? yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, something game. like that. It felt a lot like that to me. Um, so in that respect, I think it could be quite a fun, um, multiplayer game. Yeah, but it's, even that's, something like Punch Out. That's the problem, though. It's that's the the classic Nintendo game style chat. You know, like when I noticed it the most when um, was it Toad? tracker or whatever it's called what was it captain toad tracker <laughs> captain toad tracker yeah. he, he, you know everyone was going oh it's really lovely this game it's really nice and it, it was like no actually i don't want nice i want fucking yeah this is good <laughs> you need to play that game it. was that game was excellent like yeah it looks just nice to me <laughs> oh man it was so good like you got if you have an opportunity to pick it up on the cheap and play it you should definitely should because it is pretty pretty damn good man yeah, i've got a copy got, for sale I'm, at the I'm moment if you want it no, I mean you could. <laughs> I just... think I think the advantage with Nintendo is like they are 
it feels like they're drip feeding games. They're releasing them very slowly, and although it's frustrating for us, we want more. We want it now. Um, that strategy, a, a decent game, gets a lot more uh, traction than it would ordinarily. Like it just has to be good. It can be like just a bit of fun, and a lot of people, because there's not else a lot else going on, will pick it up and play it. Um, so from that perspective, it might just be a case that a lot of people who are just kind of shrugging their shoulders at the moment, they just need to sell them on it and it won't be all that difficult because there's not a lot else going on. Yeah, but then we've been saying about Microsoft on this very show that they need to, you know, sort their games out and, you know, wow yeah. us. But with Nintendo, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, they can drip feed their games. And I, yeah, I don't know, it that... just kind of feels, it don't feel right to me. It feels, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not disappointed with my Switch at all. I'm really happy. I'm, like Zelda's incredible and we're going to, well, we won't go into that because we've done that enough. But um, I just, there, there is that feeling of having that console and just thinking, I wish mm. there was just like a shit ton coming out for this all of a sudden, you know. But that, that's um, why it's more interesting though, isn't it? Because you've got, like with the Switch, you've got, something which is a bit different whereas with the scorpio you kind of got more of the same as in yeah it's more powerful but it's it's not going in a sort of a very different direction whereas the switch is which makes it more interesting and maybe why we want more stuff for it mm, maybe stardew valley's coming out for it and yeah. that is going to be amazing uh i should probably play that shouldn't i everyone raves about that wait for the switch version like i'm not the kind of i hate animal crossing and i hate these kind of like busy busy work simulators um but i took a shot on stardew valley and i genuinely really enjoyed it and playing that portably and in multiplayer i can pretty much guarantee it's going to take over my life it's well worth checking out even if you don't care about stuff like you know harvest moon and and animal crossing you didn't play much of it did you james you had that didn't you for i've got it i've got it on ps4 and but i've barely played it that much to be honest because it for me it was too much work (laughs) <laughs> compared animal crossing is not like you don't have to do anything hardly at all it's just sort of you know i i always found it like the reason i like it is because it's a relaxing kind of game you know i can play a mm-hmm. bit before i go to bed stardew valley i found to be too much work <laughs> it has it has more like directed missions yeah. and goals and that kind of stuff which is what i want from uh, a game like you know uh, harvest moon and and animal crossing yeah. i don't like just aimlessly walking around and just chipping away at picking up fruit and selling it and then calling it a day i want to feel like i've accomplished something yeah so like stardew valley kind of gives me that 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 is one of the things because i mean as because yeah I, I, that's one of the things i often wanted more of from animal crossing but you you're just not going to get it because they but then you know my daughter just loves the way that animal crossing works because she doesn't want yeah. that <laughs> she doesn't want it to be like objectives and stuff she likes just hanging around in it it's um yeah it's different stuff isn't it how far away are we from Minecraft on Switch? It's got to be just around the corner, isn't it? Probably. I uh, would be surprised if Microsoft aren't already on there. Um, but I've got no interest in Minecraft on Switch. Mm. Okay. All right. That's it for news, right? We done? There's Good. some Overwatch thing, but I don't know anything about that. What's the Overwatch thing? Uh, the Overwatch thing is the new event, um, which will be live this week. Um it's basically a new PVE uh, mode, similar to the Junkenstein one. So it looks like it, it kind of rewinds the clock in terms of the Overwatch timeline. So you're going back to one of the first missions that Tracer went on with the Overwatch squad. And it looks like a wave-based thing where you're going to the London map and you're taking on, and the uh, Omnic forces are invading, and you kind of team up with some friends and um, just try and survive waves against this uh 
against robots. So it looks, and it's got loads of new um, cool looking skins and that kind of stuff. That's pretty much it. I uh, I had no idea there was PVE stuff on um, on Overwatch. Yeah, What's they, it like? They usually they usually do it around events. So the last one that I played was so they started off with the kind of weird game mode styles. So it was like you know the Rocket League knockoff and yeah, that kind Lucio of thing. Ball or whatever. Um, yeah, but then they moved into so with the Halloween one is the first one I remember it being, and it was Junkenstein's Revenge. They actually put a lot of time and effort into it, and they kind of like they make the most of what they've got um, in terms of assets and that kind of stuff to rework it into something that's really interesting. So the Junkenstein one was, again, a wave-based thing, but you had like zombie versions of characters and you had a, a story to it and you had it was narrated by Reinhardt. And so it was really cool and you just basically had to protect this um, this uh, giant gate from being crushed by these waves of enemies. Um, and they, they do put a lot of time and effort into it and they feel really satisfying. I think what helps is that the fundamental mechanics of Overwatch are still so satisfying and so well crafted that I think they, they, any sort of like game mode that they add, there's always a, a kind of like base level fun that you'll have just from playing the characters. Um, so I think it, carry, it will carry through into this as well, teaming up with your mates and picking your favorite hero and figuring out what the best ways and your tools and to, are to deal massive damage and hold off enemies and that kind of stuff. So it's, if you like Overwatch, they're always kind of a fun side side kind of like activity to, to to enjoy cool all right let's do it what we've been playing uh let's start with matt this week um well i've been playing horizon zero dawn what why have you been playing horizon zero dawn matt because i bought a new tv there he is he's, there, he, there it is he's living the high definition ultra high definition he's are you hd ready matt now finally i'm i'm now hd ready yeah i'm very much looking forward to Anything, anything HD, really. Yeah, I mean, my, my last TV was like a 2007 Plasma, um, which at the time was was pretty top of the range, but it was uh, 1080i. It um, wasn't even 1080p. That is bad. Um, which is a blow. But, you know, like, if, I mean, I, yeah, I like to buy a thing. I like to buy, I like to buy the best things that you can buy. Um, and the thing with the TVs is that every... It, 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 there's never a good time to buy a TV, really, because there's always the next amazing thing coming out in six months' time. And so I was I was caught in a perpetual loop like that for ten years, and I thought, sod this, I've got to get something. So um, yeah, I got a I got a Samsung um, and uh, like a 55 inch 4K HDR TV, and I'm I'm over the moon. It's 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 beautiful. I almost I almost like cried when I turned it on. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful you, thing. You, I mean, it sounds like you're joking, but you know, you legitimately almost cried when you turned it on. Well, yeah, because what, there's, what is this, the really, there's this really beautiful music that came on when you're sort of setting the thing up and it's nah. the sort of music that came on when like a character is about to die in a movie like a softy movie and oh god don't that music better oh god the music's on oh god oh, you're, you're get a out marketing the room. department's wet dream <laughs> get, out, get out of the room Jill it's happening <laughs> yeah anyway um so that's amazing um but and but but to test out and, and obviously i had a i've had a ps4 pro for a while never really seen the benefit now i can see the benefit i know why i know why they released a 4k console it's because games look amazing 4k rocket league it's it looks it looks like a totally different game admittedly i was again just playing in like you know 1080i so uh but yeah rocket so, league looks amazing but i thought to really show the console off i had to buy horizon because that, that seems like it's the uh the 4k and sort of hdr sort of demo that everyone seems to be shouting about so um yeah yeah i bought that and it yeah it, it looks stunning i think i think it's i think i think it's almost saying that the best looking game i've ever played it looks absolutely incredible 
Um, in terms of the game itself, I mean, so I, I haven't played for long. It's probably like five or six hours. Actually, it, it, I guess that does sound quite long. But anyway, I, I've got out into the, into the main open world now. Um, so I've done all the initial bit. And I'm out into the main open world. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I've just, I haven't done a lot in the open world yet. I've got a couple of markers to get to. Um, yeah. I guess the, the trouble I'm having with it is that I've pl- this is the first game I've played after Zelda. And it's obviously, well, at least early on, it feels relatively... Yeah, you know, it feels quite similar to Zelda in in type of game it, it's trying to be. Really? But well, it feels it feels like it's a it's an open world um, sort of adventure game where you can you can go to many places and do many things. So I mean, I, again, this is the first game I played since Zelda, but it, it felt like there were some parallels. But I I knew straight away there weren't any parallels when as soon as I was allowed to do anything, I jumped off a cliff and I died. It turns out there is no. You, you, you haven't got a power glider. You, you can't glide. <laughs> so what you were trying to do? You trying to glide yeah, down? I just jumped off and oh, amazing! And then oh, yeah, I just died. I was like, this game is shit. Um, so <laughs> I died straight away because you can't glide anywhere. That's annoying. You can't climb anywhere. That's also annoying. Yeah, that. I mean, I you, must you, admit, you've I got played to imagine. In, um, when I went back to uh, Mass Effect Andromeda after playing Zelda, uh, it was hard looking around and thinking, oh, that's all right. I'll just climb up that hill there. And not being able to, it's sort of like, yeah, it's just a mindset thing. But um, yeah, I mean, you've got to imagine that when, um, in, in you know, the next uh, twelve months or so, when the next open world games come out, are that they're being developed after Zelda's come out, you've got to imagine that they're all going to have the fact that you can glide, and they're all going to have the fact that you can climb anything and everywhere because it feels so simple now. But yeah, just playing Horizon, like, I can't. I just, I've seen, I can climb on top of something, you know, really at all. And I want to just jump, you know, jump and glide and see the land, the, the land beneath me and the enemies and, and explore. And it feels like, God, I feel so restricted. I can't climb anywhere. I just, yeah. So yeah, I'm, no, I'm having I mean, a bit difficult with that. That's the game that it is, isn't it? I mean, it wouldn't yeah, be right no. if you could just glide everywhere in that game. So I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a, I, I think it's totally ridiculous compared it to Zelda. Um, really? I mean, the, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're open world games, but they're, they're totally different. One does it does things its way, and you know, Horizon is yeah. It's I mean, it's completely different. I don't. I couldn't sit there and go, ah, oh, Horizon's not very good because you can't do this thing that you can do in Zelda. It doesn't really work like that. Um, I mean, I mean, it works exactly like that. I mean, I, I, I'm no, probably no, being harsh because well, no, no, it does. I mean, it, 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 it's another open world game, and so and, and it. Yeah, for me, it feels it feels like there's there's a link, there's a connection. But again, I'm this is the first game I played after Zelda, so I'm maybe seeing some similarities that aren't there. But for me, it feels it feels similar in terms of its structure. But no, it, but it, it looks stunning. Um, mechanic wise, it, it's fun. I, I've I've only unlocked a few of the abilities, but the it, even sort of the basic combat is really really fun. Um, and, and that's before we even really started to learn all different intricacies and methods to kill the various different creatures, the various yeah. different machines you see. But even seeing the basic ones, um, it's really fun when you get, when you get a few of them chasing you and you're trying to, you're trying to like spear one and jump over another one. I, I think that's really cool. And that's only going to get better. I think when I unlock more and more abilities, um, yeah, the, I think... the abilities are fantastic. Like proper, they reminded me of, um, uh, the, you know, Tomb Raider reboot games where yeah, each ability that you get is, it feels totally powerful. You know, I, I wanted to ask you a question game. actually, did you, cause I, uh, in, in the abilities, there's basically like four channels, there's four types of ability you can get. And one's 
I can't remember what the name, names are, but basically one's very much geared towards stealth, where it gives you like extra things to help you sneak around. One's about combat. One's about... Uh, gathering gather, materials uh, and stuff. Yeah, gathering materials and whatnot. Um, I, I've probably had about eight or so um, ex, you know, uh, experience points, whatever they're called, the, the actual things to spend. And I've I've put them all into the, the first of every one of them. Did, did you do that? Or did you actually say, I'm going to focus my character and put eight into just one channel and it's a really awesome stealth person or really, really amazing like in terms of battling? How did you do yours? Yeah, I mean, t- typically I would... Um... Like when I play games like this, I I try and spread the points out towards different abilities and stuff and different type styles. Um, but for this, I for Horizon, I f- focused mainly on the combat because I felt that the like for example, one of the abilities you can unlock is every time you go into um, your bow mode when you pull the, an arrow back on your bow, it slows down time. Yeah, and I just I've thought, that, oh, yeah. that's. That's brilliant. I, I'll need that. And another one was um, when you're walking across tight ropes, you can aim and shoot. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, I, I definitely need that. Whereas the other stuff, it was like, oh, chance of finding more arrows. And I'm just like, actually, I'm okay with crafting arrows. I, I mean, it would be a little bit ha- more handy to not pick up so much wood as I'm walking about, but it's only one click of a button, so I don't really care. Uh, yeah, so I, I focused all on the combat stuff because... Oh, cool. Yeah, I really liked the combat in that that game. So um, making that even better was was sort of my main focus. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it because I'm not very far in, and I've maxed out the stealth tree already. Yeah, you max out pretty um, quickly, don't you? So oh, I okay. think you'd be able to overlap quite quickly. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, again, I I I played yeah five or so hours, which um, it, it, for me it feels like barely anything. Maybe I'm just again used to like you know fifty hours in Zelda and thinking I barely scratch the surface. But so I feel like I've and I'm, this obviously the first few hours are really it's just like a big tutorial telling you how things work and you're learning the characters and storyline. The story seems really interesting so far. Uh, I'm really interested to see how it progresses and how how far it goes into certain elements of of what they've shown so far. Uh, I hope it goes. I hope it goes deep into that sort of stuff. I hope it goes really, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see where, where that goes. I mean, yeah, it looks absolutely stunning. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play more, but it's not, it's not blowing me away. But again, I feel like I'm probably ruined by Zelda. I mean, there's I, some I, really strong writing in that game there is, as yeah. you continue to play. Like it's, it's, I'm playing it as well and not to jump in and no, that's cool. you know, yeah, jump that's my good. turn, but, um, I've gone from Mass Effect where the writing is quite weak to Horizon, which I didn't expect to have great writing and i'm finding that i'm getting everything i wanted to have and was ready to have from mass effect in horizon um kind of interesting characters even the side characters they've all got something or a quirk to them or a personality or some heart to them that makes them interesting to engage with yeah and the world is crafted in a way that's really thoughtful and you have these almost rival tribes which represent the different alien races perhaps in mass effect so i'm getting a lot of what i wanted from mass effect out of it exploring the world and learning about about different cultures and that kind of stuff and like i said the more the deeper you get into it this much this writing gets way way better and the story the way it kind of like develops very slowly it becomes really intriguing there's still some absolutely horrendous writing now and then but it's not like as consistently bad as something like mass effect yeah, yeah and I, I think it does two things i really like uh, in games especially of, the, of this type is um keeping the story simple but telling it well 
uh, I think it's really mm. important. You know, it, it doesn't try and overcomplicate things. It just keeps the story just at a level where it's like, okay, you know that these two tribes are. You sort, you sort of get it without having to like. I know it's hard to explain. I like I like it when games have a very simple story, very simple structure, but tell it well. I think that's a lot yeah, better it, it than them. Um, trying to force a sort of more complicated story out of things because that's what games tend to do, you know. I think it allows them to focus on characters more. And I think that was one of the strengths of Mass Effect 2. If you think about Mass Effect 2, the story, the arc itself wasn't very complicated. You're, you, you know, you start the game, you build a character after something happens and, you know, you're forced to uh, make a new character. And then you spend the following 50 hours essentially squatting up for a, a suicide mission. Yeah. So that arc is incredibly simple. It's very linear as well. But, through it, it allowed them to explore specific characters and dynamics between characters. So you weren't getting this really complicated, you know, twisting, turning narrative. You were just getting this straight line, but along the way, it branched out to let you see different things and explore different things. And I think it's doing that again. It's just taking a very simple story about this woman and her kind of like coming of age and also how she deals with, you know, becoming part of the society and then exploring that through the people around her and the world around her. And I think that's where the strength of it is. And it's where it's why that simplicity allows it to be more impactful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, it was also fun trying to, you know, the dialogue options you get throughout the game. Uh, I made her the most cockiest person on the face of the planet. And uh, that was, it worked. It worked for a character. Maybe there's a lot of people saying that she was quite boring, but I don't know, in my game, when I was just running around being a dick most of the time, um, it actually gave her a bit of an edge. And I, you know, I ended up really liking the uh, the characters themselves. But mm. yeah, um, I mean, even uh, the writing has been yeah really impressive so far. Just doing a couple of the uh, a couple of the the random sort of side missions you do in initial area. I've, there's been a couple of interesting stories. Um, yeah, I, I there's a lot of Bruce. shit like um, oh, I've lost this. Can you go and get it for me? And uh, you just you know the, the old fetch quest stuff uh, rears its head a little bit too often, but. Other than that, I don't know. I, you know, I'm really self-conscious of this whole. Oh, Zelda's ruined everything for me, and I just kind of think, well, no, this has got its own merits. No, I'm not saying that. And but, I, but I, I, I'm surprised that you think it's not another game in a similar sort of vein. I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly like Zelda, but it's just it's you know really really amazing graphics. I'm saying it feels like quite similar in terms of another large open world game you can explore and this and that. I mean, yes, I know that's incredibly vague and generic, but, uh, and I'm not, not, it's got tons of maps. I'm not scouting out and I'm far too early to do it. Even if I, you know, even if I did have a lot of things to moan about, I'm just saying, you know, I've just played one of the best games of all time. And the next game after that was always going to be tough. Um, but so far I'm, enjoy I'm enjoying it. I think the framework between, is very similar between the two games. You have this open world where you're kind of left to explore it as you, please but you also have these missions within it and i think what matt is saying and i think i agree with is that what i'm missing from it is um a kind of interesting traversal mechanic i know they have 
um, mounts and that kind of stuff. But even when I'm using mounts, I don't feel like I'm, I've, I've gaining momentum and that kind of stuff. So with games like Infamous and that kind of stuff, I, I, I personally found a lot of joy in moving around this, the, the world. And that allowed me to explore it in a more like breezier <coughs> pace and kind of have more fun, um, moving around the world itself. It created this kind of interesting, it made the act of walking around or, you know, moving around the city uh satisfying in itself and i don't think horizon has that whereas zelda does have that whether you're climbing climbing a mountain becomes a challenge and a puzzle in itself trying to manage the meter of stamina and that kind of stuff so you're engaged in it you're thinking about your movement when you're climbing a mountain similarly when you're jumping off a you know high mountain you have this ability to you know glide and you get to see the world at the same time you're thinking about how far you can go when you need to put your glider away and whip it back out to make sure you're making the most of the stamina whereas with horizon you spend a lot of time running from one point to the other and i found myself frequently just kind of zoning out here and there because i know that i'm running in the general right direction i don't need to pay attention to too many of the uh you know herbs and plants and stuff because i don't really need them right now and i'm just kind of meandering around packs of enemies because i just want to run to my thing so it's kind of like you're tuning out on some level from what's happening until you get to a waypoint um and i think that it could have really benefited from some sort of interesting movement mechanic yeah i'm so glad you said that because i was going to say the same thing i mean i i in 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 the initial area i was literally going from from check from point to point on the map whereas in zelda i clearly would not have done that i would have taken my time i would have explored it doesn't feel like there's any sort of and full of actual adventure and exploration in this game so far again i was just in the early stage and i know i've just opened into the main open world area so that may well change but i was just literally going from point to point on the map to get to the next objective um but yeah i'm hoping it improves it's- um also I, I, one other thing one of the things that's it's so good about zelda is you look at the map and it's not full of it's not full of points on the map and i turn i open the map on this and it's just like fuck loads of you know, uh, icons which you can't turn on or off, or there's icons for like uh, the the bonfires, there's mm-hmm. mission markers. You, on the actual main screen itself, there's just fucking markers and on-screen yeah. stuff everywhere. Again, I, I'm I've been sport worked by by the other game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're not absolutely right the... with that stuff. I think the the fact that in Zelda you can actually just mark it up yourself. So although mm-hmm. I, I think that is a much better way of doing those start those types of games. I suppose what I'm saying right is that. I think they focus on two different things. And I think you could... I, I totally agree that traversal in Zelda is, is, is so much better than it is in Horizon. And that has a big impact in how you view the world uh, around you. It makes you more curious and more likely to go exploring and stuff like that. And I think it has its benefits. But at the same time, I think the same could be said about the combat in um, Horizon. The, the fact that the combat in Horizon, you know, is fantastic. And I think... As much as I'm absolutely loving Zelda, and don't get me wrong, I am absolutely loving it. Um, the combat is probably the weakest part of that game. Um, and with in Horizon, it's just so good. It feels so good to fight things in that game. When Whenever I saw a pack of enemies, I didn't sort of cower away. I was just, you know, assessing the situation, working out how I could take things down and then going for it. Um, whereas when I come across packs of enemies in Zelda, I'm kind of like, you know, that, that I don't know. It's, it's weird that some of the combat in Zelda, I just kind of feel, I don't know whether it's limitations of the, the, the uh, Joy-Cons themselves, but 
I'm sort of struggling to really get into the combat side of that and tend to just yeah, run past. I think that there's changes no major David, benefit like, as you get like the you know, better weapons that you get later on. It, it that really changes possibly, like, but so I, you know I can't. I can only go with what I have played so far. I've been playing like I'm quite early in Zelda, and from what I can tell, like I don't feel the need to engage in combat because I don't feel like a, I get a benefit out of it. And I'm not saying I need experience and that kind of stuff, but the combat is probably the part of Zelda that still feels quite classic um, in terms of if you have the lock on and the strafe and that kind of stuff. And I know that it does become a little more complicated, but in my current where I am now, I tend to just run away from enemies, yeah, except when I can see where uh, Nintendo have clearly crafted a sort of uh, a combat scenario for me to figure out, where you've got like, a, you know, a cobbling up a, a tree and, and there's a nearby explosive barrel and you can see, you know, a way to kind of turn this combat not from being like a, a war of attrition into being something that's like, oh, if I fire a shot here and then chuck a bomb there, I can wipe out this entire camp in a couple of moves. So when they when they they have these almost like chess chess boards set up every now and then, and those are the ones that I engage with. Whereas if if it's just like a pack of them just chilling out, I'm like, there's no real benefit to me doing this, and I don't think it's going to be challenging. All that's going to happen is I'm going to, you know, um, wear down my weapons and spend a lot of, and potentially lose some hearts and then use some resources like mills, and I'll come out of it kind of like with a net loss, so I might as well just avoid yeah. these. I, I, I think, think it's it totally depends. Right there. It depends later on, though, as you, you start to be able to identify enemies that are more worth like taking on because you know they're going to have good stuff, that it's worth like bothering to attack them. And also, I mean, you can start to think how you can attack stuff like more creatively. Like, you know, you know, like how when you get like the, like the rain and the thunder and the lightning and how you can start to use that to your advantage by like, you know, chucking metal stuff at them so they get shot with electricity and stuff like that. It's, um, yeah, I, I, I think as you start to get more sort of, more you know sort of higher level weapons and you start to be able to sort of um sort of control them a bit better you start to be able to pick your targets and it, it becomes a lot more interesting that way yeah. I, I i've definitely done a thing where where you, you experiment in different different weather conditions and whatnot but i, I think what tomorrow's saying is correct i mean i i, I feel like there's am i gonna go through the weapon you know rinse through the weapons i've got now for maybe a slightly better weapon or a rubbish weapon and then i'll be needing hearts and stuff i just often i unless as you said, unless it's it's clear that there's a chest or there's there's something a bit, a bit interesting about, about that combat scenario, I generally just don't bother because I don't think there's enough of a chance to get something good. It would be great if there was much higher chances of potentially amazing loot. I know this isn't a loot game, but if there was a, a bit of a, a bit of a random chance of getting something amazing, then I'd be much more much more much happier and much more uh, likely to just kill everyone I could just for the off chance that we'll get something good. But as it stands, I just I generally just run past them um, because there's no point doing it. And I'm all right with that. I enjoy, I enjoy just being able to focus on what I want to do, which is the shrines and exploring the world Absolutely, and looking yeah. at nice vistas. And I'm glad it doesn't try and funnel you into, oh, you need to spend time fighting so you can level up this tree. And it's it's like uh, I, I really respect the fact that Nintendo took the time to pair back and not follow all the trends that modern gamers love and trying to kind of pick and choose the stuff that they think would really work well and do it really really well um i think between them horizon zero dawn and zelda are both exceptional games and to a large extent i didn't expect either of them to kind of land and be as amazing as they are um zelda i definitely didn't think so you know based on the trend of recent zelda games i know they each of them have 
amazing parts to them, but overall I've kind of been left kind of shrugging my shoulder at all of them. So the fact that this one is so different is is like a really pleasant surprise for me. I really love it. And Horizon, I never expected it to be as good as it really is. It's you know it's a new IP, so you've got to respect Sony for taking a risk on that. And I never expected Gorilla to be able to pull out something as good as this on their first shot. Yeah, yeah. I bet they're so happy that they weren't doing another Killzone game, and they could just. I mean, it feels like they've gone the polar opposite. It's you know, it's 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 a strong female character versus you know, or a, yeah. you know, a shooty bang bang game, whatever. It it feels oh, so different. Matt. It feels. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> but it feels so different, and uh, it, yeah, I, I'm really happy for them because I know I'm. I think I th- think this is the first game that really shows what that studio is capable of. Because I think they were really unlucky with Killzone. They got kind of, they came along and put out this decent shooter that looked really nice at a time when Sony was looking for a shooter to rival yeah. Microsoft's one and they kind of got funneled down this path and became the team that puts out this beautiful shooter year after year that kind of doesn't really offer much in the way of gameplay but it's just the thing that they can be like look at this look it's, it's real cool we can we can make shooters like Microsoft and the fact that they 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 were given some time to really make their own game, the game that they wanted to make something different really shows. It makes me excited about Gorilla again, and it makes me excited to see what they do next. Um, if they do another Horizon, that's kind of like cool. Like, I'm sure they will do that, but I'm, I'm more hoping that they show us something else now because they've shown that they can write, they can create these beautiful worlds and they know how to make really satisfying mechanics. I think, the, this, I think the ultimately, the, I think ultimately the difference is that, um, Zelda feels like a complete revolution it feels like they've brought something out that that has taken so many huge leap forwards for what um open world games uh like zelda games can can be uh and offers so many more new ideas than certainly more new ideas than uh horizon can uh but horizon has seemed to have taken what has previously been turned into the sort of staples of uh, these sort of games and kind of perfected a lot of it. You know, they, they've made the combat not just workable, they've made it excellent. Like, it's, the, the, the combat's fantastic. They've made, like the, like, the tasks themselves and everything you do are actually worth doing. Like I said, I said at the time, you know, the the game that this was being compared to was the Ubisoft games. There's those sort of, you go into a world and there's just these icons everywhere and you've got these camps that you have to uh, clear and you've got these places. And, it, you know, it just seemed like everyone was done with that style of game. And Horizon come along and said, no, it's not all the icons that's a problem for you. It's what those icons are asking you to do that's where that's where the issue is and and because this is actually fun to play that oh my god this is full of icons that goes away because that doesn't matter because what you you're still enjoying what you're playing um so what i'm saying is that essentially both games have a place um and they but they represent different things and that's why i can't sit there play horizon and say oh my god i can't believe this hasn't got this in it and that's why i can play zelda and sit there and say i can't believe this hasn't got the stuff that horizon's got in it um it just doesn't bother me i can't i can't compare the two so that that that's what i was trying to say matt mm. yeah it's similar similar <laughs> disagree uh, that's that's other than watching various like 4k uh, videos on youtube and and just mostly staring at the tv um 
that that's all I've been doing this week. I, I've obviously played Rocket League. I've obviously played loads of Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, that's about it. Well, quickly then, uh, because uh, I just uh, don't want to talk about Zelda too much. We've already spoken about it quite a bit while we were talking about Horizon. Um, yeah, no, I've done my first Divine Beast. I, I It was incredible, like absolutely incredible. That whole area, that, that it just blew me away. Um, I can't wait to play more of it. Uh, oh, which one did you do? The elephant one. Okay. Is that a spoiler? Probably. I don't know. Uh, no, it's very, not. it's very good. There was a moment in that dungeon area that just absolutely like, holy shit. That is really impressive. Really looks great. And yeah, very, very impressive stuff. I can't, I can't wait to play more of that game. Um, I also bought metal slug in the end, metal slug free for the switch. Just, I cannot believe I live in a time where I could just rock at, rock up at someone's house, take apart my portable games console, and play two player <laughs> Metal Slug. It's as good as can, I can thought. Can you do that, be. by the way? What do you mean? Well, because I read on I, I, I read or heard on another podcast that they said that a lot of them games. Giant Bomb. It was Giant Bomb who said basically you can't play two player. You have to buy two sets of Joy-Con. No, there's the on Metal Slug you can play two-player with just the switch i did it several times this week okay cool, cool and man. every time i did it the person that i was playing with hadn't played metal slug yesterday i went to a barbecue and my mate carl played with him and at first he was a bit oh this is really old school isn't it and then we completed the second mission and he just went i haven't blinked for like <laughs> half an hour and i'm like yep that's metal slug it's a good game we blitzed for about 12 credits but we finally got to the end of mission two uh yeah, I, the, the, my main concern was that it was going to have huge borders either end, but you can stretch it out, uh, which is annoying at first because everything looks like long and stretched. But uh, the, once you get used to it, it's like, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Um, the, you no, know, what it is, is that a lot of people, I think a lot of people get confused because there's, it's a... It's kind of been just slung on the switch. There's not much has been done. Like even in the loading screens to tell you what the buttons do, it still says A, B, C, like as if you're in an arcade rather than showing you the actual buttons you've got to press. But what you have to do is come out of the game, go to your Joy-Con setup menu in the home screen and set it to be working as two controllers rather than the one, then go back into the game and then you can then you can play the two-player mode in that. So I think that's right. what a lot of people are missing. They think that it should automatically pick up that you want to play uh, two-player with one Joy-Con each, uh, but you have to literally go and tell the system via the home screen that that's what you want to do. And then, yeah. But honestly, basically, we're going to be playing a lot of Metal Slug next time we meet up because that is uh, that is a good way to play that game, just to be able to do that. Oh, amazing. Um, have I been playing anything else? I don't think so. It's mainly been that. Uh, I did have a a bit of a situation this week with my Switch. You know, everyone's like worried about them scratching and stuff. I thought, right, okay, this seems like more of a widespread problem that I initially thought. So I thought, that's it, I'm getting a screen protector. And um, I'm trying to, I'm struggling now because I'm trying to find the name of the company. Uh, what are they called? Uh, Osley? Osley? Have you heard it? O R Z L Y. They no. do the Matt recommended uh, that I get these screen protectors. They're like the glass ones, um, and he said get these. These ones are the ones that everyone's recommended. So I bought them. You get two in a pack, and I had one of the most frustrating nights of my life <laughs> with them last week, where I would 
would do everything the packet said, lay it down and it would slightly be off. So I'd lift it up again and then put it back down. And by that time, there was dust between the protector and the screen. I was honestly, Matt, my head was hot by the end of it. Um, Yeah, I've had that in the past. It's horrific. I I remember doing the same thing when I tried to put one on my phone and it bad. I did, and I, my heart was going. I so I got so angry. I just snapped them both and chucked them in the bin. And then I sat down and wrote an email to the company, not saying this is a bad product or anything. Just basically saying, I absolutely fucked it. I can't believe it. I absolutely fucked it. And the only reason why I'm emailing you now is because it's the only thing that's calming me down. And my wife is fed up of talking about the switch. So I can't rant at her. So I've got nothing else to do, but just email. And then I got an email back from them saying, Hey, uh, sorry. Um, you had a faulty product. Can you take a photo and let us know what the issue is and, and we'll see what we can do. And this was the next day. And I'd calmed down by then. I said, no, no, there was nothing wrong with your product. I was just fucking shit at it. Couldn't use it. Completely fucked it up. Sorry to email you. I was just in a rage, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, oh, that's all right. We'll pop some new ones in the post. So what I'm saying, get an Osley uh, screen protector because the new ones come today and I put it in and it's perfect now. It's bit, I don't know. I just fluked it this time. It's perfect. Uh, well happy with it. So get that shit. This episode of the Computer Game Show was brought to you by Orsley. Yeah, the screen by protector company. Screen protectors today. Good product. Great customer service. Get get on their shit. It's the good shit. Uh, and Osley, if you're listening, you can put get on that shit. It's the good shit on future packaging of your screen protectors. Uh, I'll allow you to do that. Take that as a quote. Uh, that's it for me this week. Uh, James? Uh, I've been mostly just playing Persona 5. And that's it. That's, that's all that's that. been going on this week. Because um, I'm about, I think I'm about 45 hours into it now. And yeah, that's all I've been playing. And it's all I really care about at the moment. It's um, whenever I've got spare time, it's just I've been playing that because it's brilliant. And uh, It's it, pretty spectacular, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, I'm still finding it more stressful, though, than Persona 4. Um, did you find that at all? because I know you've played it as well uh, no I, I I found it I thought it was paced really well up until the kind of final quarter of the game mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't really have any issues managing time or I kind of just committed to stuff I didn't want to think too hard about what I could have been doing I think a lot of the stress is in that you kind of second guess yourself you commit to going out with one person or spending your time improving one statistic and then after you're like oh what if I'd done this I could have done had this now but I think that's also part of its loop it kind of wants you to feel a bit of that stress you know it's 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 part of what it's going for with you know replicating the 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 day and life of of a teenager and a high school student you never know what you should be doing whether it's the right thing or not and i kind of i felt that was that was really like uh, impressive for me like i i kind of liked that slight stress to everything and the Mm -hmm. slight pressure to do everything on time um it kind of fed into into the dynamic of making sure that you the dynamic of you know what you do in the real world impacts what you do in a palace and in in mementos yeah i mean and that's that's definitely i mean i think also there's a nice contrast with that with persona 4 you know with that being sort of in the countryside and there's there is kind of less to do it felt like there was less Mm -hmm. to do in this i mean the city is big you know there's there's so many places you can go and sort of things you can go on i mean i was i was listening to somebody the other day talking about and they were saying about how you shouldn't really shouldn't try and sort of like build relationships with everybody because it's it's not possible like really you know like in in a first playthrough unless you're like really super disciplined and use a guide or something like that 
And yeah. since then, I've, I've I've really just been trying to sort of just focus on things that I think are important. And uh, I'm just trying to become more charming at the moment. Is is the thing? Yeah. Cause, uh, I th- yeah. I think you can you can max out all your the majority of your attributes mm-hmm. by the end of the game, um, simply by just doing the related activities and and kind of grinding them. But I don't think it's possible, or I wouldn't recommend trying to max out all your confidant ranks because um towards the end of the rankings like when you get to i think it's 10 or something like that they they their sign of their side stories open up mm-hmm. and if you if you don't get there with a get you know invest the time into one or two or a handful of other specific confidants you miss out on that and instead you'll get kind of like half half-assed versions of each character so i, I really do recommend focusing on a specific set of characters that you like or you find interesting and maxing out their ranks to see what their story is and what their arcs are yeah this is and this is what i've been trying to do with this because i mean some of this is the other thing i like about it though because i've I found the characters more interesting uh, than the ones in Persona 4. And I know, like, in Persona 4, there's a lot of ones that people really love, like Cheer and people like that. But I don't know. I've just found them more interesting in this. And, uh, yeah. I think the the kind of side characters are way stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, the core team is, is really interesting. And I think they all have – they reveal nuances to their characters and complexities over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what Persona had as a baseline, Persona 4. Um, the main characters were really cool and the side people were just kind of like there to enable everyone else and kind of carry the story forward. Mm-hmm. Whereas all the confidants in this game have their own unique little stories that have different messages and meanings and themes to them that I really, really appreciate and have stuck with me since I stopped playing the game. What did you think of the of the palaces? Because I mean, this it's a different structure to Persona Four, isn't it? Because with that, it was more when they they were randomly generated, weren't they? Like each. Yeah. So in in Persona Three, it was Tartarus, and um, I can't remember the name of the place in Persona Four, but they were all um, kind of randomly or procedurally generated, and um, each had in Persona Four, each had their own theme mm-hmm. depending on the character that you were kind of looking into at that time. Um, Persona Five's one, I think, is the best of yeah. both worlds. That's the thing because I found. I mean, yeah, because you've also got Mementos as well, which is it does that anyway, doesn't it? It's isn't yeah. that's more sort of like that's that's, that's akin to Tartarus from Persona Four, Persona Three, sorry, which is much more interesting. But the, I mean, I I've quite enjoyed the palaces with this because because of the fact that they they feel a bit more structured and mm. there's the puzzles. I mean, they're still very simplistic. I I found so far, but it's still a bit more engaging. I mean, I, I found the ones in Persona 4 to be a bit tedious sometimes. It always felt like I was and, just looking for the stairs. You're always just looking for, like, you know, to get to the next sort of level, you know, yeah. sometimes just running past shadows or whatever. But with this, I mean, the combat I'm also enjoying a huge amount more as well. I mean, I, I'm seeking out combat this time, which I didn't do so much with Persona 4. Um, I think I think the combat in this game is probably the best combat system I've played in an RPG and a JRPG in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's so fluid and so satisfying, and it's it's the kind of like you you can you feel it. Like that's yeah. how that's how it feels. It's not like you you know in a traditional JRPG where you press attack and then watch two uh, characters kind of collide together and then numbers fly out. This feels like you're actively engaged in it, and the way it kind of flows from one character to another, the way you can use you know bat on pass to pass mm-hmm. over to another team and exploit another weakness and turn you know a fight between 
against enemies that are way, way, you know, more in number than you and just demolish them within seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you come away just feeling like an absolute badass, like that, that, that kind of loop, the combat loop in it just kept me coming back over and over again. And it's one of those games where I looked forward to grinding. And I can't say the same for Persona 4 or even a recent Final Fantasy game, something like Final Fantasy, the, the latest Final Fantasy, which was more action focused and active and had you engaged. I feel still, still felt like it was a little disjointed at times. It didn't have the kind of flow and style to the, the, the way Persona 5's combat is. It's just like, I don't know if you guys have played any other uh, Persona games of Matt and Dave, but like if you if you have even the remotest interest in like a spark of an interest, I highly recommend you check it out because in terms of narrative, in terms of design, it's one of those games that you you just get to marvel at it and you can really appreciate the craft of games. Seeing playing through it, you just see how all the systems kind of coalesce and how style can be such an important part of the the way a game is presented, the way a game feels, and the way a game makes you feel when you're playing it. Definitely worth checking out, man. James, so that, should yeah, I man. check it out? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think you might. I mean, it's it's really dialogue heavy. Is is one part of it, and it's. I yeah. mean, I don't have a problem with that as such because I like watching anime, and I I I get that that <laughs> this is the way that that the stories are structured in this have way. I'm not that sure before? that you'd enjoy that so much. It's, um, um, what are the, what are palaces? What what's that all about? So pa- palaces are basically the they become like little dungeons like you, you take dungeons and the difference with it is now is they allowed Atlas to kind of flex their design muscles a little more. So instead of being these kind of procedurally generated palaces that look largely the same and it's just kind of funneling you towards a boss, it's something like a, a you know an area in the way I describe it uh, is like an area from Super Mario World, like a, a specific zone from Super Mario World. You go in there, there's a mechanic in there, there's a puzzle in there, there's a story in there. Once you're done with it, it moves on to another one and it's a completely different themed a completely different puzzle set and completely different enemies and and your purpose is different there as well so it's like these different unique little dungeons that have a specific theme and feel to them and you also have to sort of approach them like sort of twice because you sort of you sort of do like a reconnaissance kind of thing of one first and then you go back to sort of you know sort of sort it out you know like a bit later on yeah which uh, which works really well as well yeah and like what what you know james was saying earlier it is dialogue heavy but it's also really interesting like mm-hmm. i know you need to have a certain tolerance for anime but i feel like it's lower a different kind of tolerance than traditional anime you know it's not like naruto or that kind of stuff it's the kind of thing where it's it's more of this the type of anime that really does well with non-anime audiences um so you know f- for example ghost in the shell or something like that it deals with a lot of really dark and complicated themes and there's almost like this really fascinating kind of a feeling to seeing that explored through super vibrant super cutesy looking uh presentations so like the first the first uh palace that you go to is in order to kind of take out this guy who's essentially abusing a teacher who's abusing his his students and sexually manipulating them and kind of like really psychologically torturing these characters um and because he feels like he dominates the school because he was one t- at one time some sort of sports champion but like that's not the kind of thing many games explore and many anime don't that you might be aware of or your perception of anime is wouldn't explore that that's the kind of like a specific niche type of anime that i feel like more people would enjoy if they knew about them yeah, how weird does it get though, James? It, it's not. It's not. I wouldn't say it's really. It's not really weird. It's just that I'm not. 
I'm not convinced that it's the kind of thing that you'd you'd really engage with. I I think you, I don't know. I just think you probably think a lot of it is kind of stupid, or I don't know. I, I yeah. I I just don't think you yeah. like the characters that much. G- give me either. an example if of I'm, what I would find stupid, James. Um, <laughs> it's just got a talking cat in it. I don't think the talking <laughs> cat would bother him. I don't think that would be that would be a problem. I think the sort of you know like you know the sort of perverted nature of a lot of the game would probably <laughs> that it'd be a thing. Because I mean, and it, it's, it subverts that. Yeah, well, that, that's I mean, uh, various that, points. That is the whole point, though. I mean, because it, it is, it, you know, part of the whole point of the story is to sort of, you know, this this is like the adult world is the problem, you know, and they're yeah. the people that are sort of, you know, exploiting people and that kind of stuff. But it's still there, and it's still a bit, yeah, it's still pretty. I mean, there's a very dark like undercurrent to the whole of this game, which is really interesting. But it's still, I don't know. I think. I don't know, Dave. I don't know what you'd think of it. I just like the way you say perverted. You you, you sort of curb your voice (laughs) when you do it. You go, oh, there's a sort of perverted stuff. (laughs) It's it's really fascinating in terms of the timing of the game because it comes out at a time when, you know, the world is in certain degrees of turmoil with, you know, these figures kind of ruining the political world and kind of dictating future generations how they'll live. So this is a game that comes along that kind of coincidentally or just for you know by luck it addresses that it's a theme like it's Mm -hmm. it's about a group of children who suddenly realize that adults are the problem adults are ruining the world like their selfish desires and needs to you know feed their own ego and position themselves in places of power just so they can feel good about themselves and secure their own lives uh, are kind of ruining the world and then these kids come along and, and think fuck it let's just Let's just solve these problems. Let's just show these adults that they're wrong, and they do it through these weird supernatural means see, that will what, maybe push you away. It's but, baby boomer um, the game. It's really what's, fascinating. what's really annoying about this though is, oh, see, there's something I want to discuss about that with you, but I'm not sure because it will ruin like sort of aspects of the stories. So I don't <laughs> think I really can. But um, yeah, I know. I'm just thinking I, there's parallels with Death Note with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, you know, there is. It's... There is a lot. Um, and if if I'm honest with myself, like I think. Dave, you probably wouldn't get on with it. I think you'd appreciate it, what it's trying to do. But, like, I think it's such a good game that I just can't help but recommend it to everyone. Like, I truly, truly love that game in a way that I haven't loved the game in a really long time. Like, I played it for 130 hours. And that's over the course of, like, I I played it from morning till night. And I was, like, thinking about it constantly. And it's been a while since the game's made me do that. I think the last time I did that was for Mass Effect. It's also got the best victory thing ever in a game. <laughs> it's got the best fucking soundtrack. <laughs> it's brilliant. Ever. With it. like, it's really the good. The soundtrack is just so good. Yeah. It gets stuck in your head, and like I've been listening to it nonstop yeah. since just, I started playing that just game. Just the music, you know, like you know, like after you finish school or whatever, you know, just that, you know, the sort of that music yeah. going. I when I work now, I just have that in the background sometimes because yeah. it's just it's amazing. It's brilliant. It's just a phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if I didn't see it winning multiple Game of the Year awards mm-hmm. later this year. Yeah, but in a year, nah, this, this year is crazy, right? <laughs> it's fucking mad. Yeah, this has been crazy good as well. I mean, yeah, it's, but this game is like it, it's truly exceptional. But also, I mean, it's been a bit of a surprise because it's it's doing well as well, isn't it? Like I, as I, yeah. it's come out, it's sort of you know it's number one in the charts as well, and it, yeah. this may I be the breakout for Atlas, maybe with this. Off a lot of its success currently and its awareness is off the back of Persona Four yeah. and the kind of awareness that people 
playing it, streaming it have given it, which is somewhat ironic given Atlas Japan's yeah. current stance on streaming. So that's, that's um, proper I think annoying I saw, as well, because I, I really, yeah. there's so many parts of it that I just want to share, because I just like, this This looks fantastic, but you just can't. And to some extent, like, I, I kind of understand why they want to mm-hmm. do that, because there's parts of the game which I wouldn't want to discuss with people because I remember how it was when I saw this particular line or a particular joke and it landed perfectly and I was just like in fits of laughter mm-hmm. how how well it was translated and the fact that they managed to land a joke from Japanese into English. Mm-hmm. So like I can understand maybe them being like, oh we don't want to ruin that for people but it's it's taken it to a to a degree that doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah to explain they've gonna... they've kind of put an embargo on the on the general public, right? They're saying no you can't stream anything like the whole game's blocked off isn't it you can stream yeah, some if bits you, so... if you press share it doesn't it just it says like you're in a blocked scene um, oh, I, I thought it's... they could share anything up to 7-7 seven, seven and no no. For no longer than an hour and a half and no you can't well uh, that may be if you're recording it but not using like uh, PS4 okay, like sharing cool. okay. it's uh, yeah yeah how, how far into the game is 7-7 seven, seven? is it is that really early on or it's no, it's it's quite a few hours in, but like it, there's still. I mean, it's a hundred and something yeah. hour game, so uh, it just doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I had a Vita, everyone raved about Persona 4 Golden, and I, I never bought it in the end. But everyone said, you know, just buy it. it. It's an amazing game. I've I can't remember the last JRPG I played. I mean, I I was a big fan of Shining Shining Force games back in the day, but mm. it, it, I, I, it, it's it's a long, long time. But um, yeah, this sounds so good, and uh, seeing. The thing is, Matt, I mean, you see, I hate, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of like turn based, like Japanese RPGs at all, because I hate grinding. It's, I've, I've, I really, really intensely dislike it. But in this, I just still want to just keep fighting because it's so fun. It, it, it's much better in this. It's interesting. I mean, it's not a perfect game. Like, I personally, when I got towards the end, it starts to unravel a bit. Um, but still, like, I came away even after, and I did get a bit annoyed at parts of it at the end, but I still came away thinking, like, that was phenomenal. Cool. Right. Uh, Tamar, have you got any other games that we haven't spoken about? Um, no, I, th- I think I've spoken about pretty much everything. I, I went from playing 130 hours of Persona to playing 50 something hours of Mass Effect, and I'm kind of like almost the lactic acid shall we call it, it's, it's kicking and I'm very slowly making my way through Horizon and playing Zelda at the same time. Um, but yeah, the, otherwise, not much else. Is going, and Overwatch, I play Overwatch every night. No, no, I'm done with that. Done with that. I mean... Superior game to Rainbow Six, whatever the fuck it's Rainbow called. Rainbow Six Siege, no one, one of the best... Uh, yeah, whatever that bullshit game is called. Yeah, no one cares. Uh, Rocket League's better and, um, of course, Tights 2. No one cares. Don't forget Tights 2. <laughs> Did it win your game of the year? <laughs> Round one. Because we got Round a bunch of fucking dickheads on the podcast, that's why. Right, um, <laughs> let's get to emails then. Okay, um, if you want to email us, it's thecomputergameshow at gmail.com. First one's from Hayes Red Mist. He says, um, uh, as a new father, I have that warm glow about me. That's I never had what? that. What? I, uh, I never had that either. <laughs> and I'm actually reasonably nice at the moment, so I won't bother with the usual and no doubt insufferable I'm a fan, but one of the lads bants on this occasion. My question is, my newborn son has already been accompanying me on my explorations across Hyrule, but what video game uh, should be his first proper game to play and why? Uh, the the answer to that question is, um, of course, Super Mario 3D World. You know, I was going to say exactly the same thing, because I, I totally agree with that. It's, just, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's fun. 
you can play cooperatively and help carry them through stages um and it's yeah that i mean it's just the perfect first game i think i can't think of any uh, like a better example just let your kid figure it out just play some games in front of him and see what what kind of he he gravitates towards yeah and i mean they, they might not even like it but i mean the pull of mario just seems to yeah just grab people it's well good um the, another good one right is rocket league in the training mode because all you have to do really is press one button and the cool stuff happens so that's always a good touch just get, a, get your kid on street fighter <laughs> go straight get it going go straight just to persona straight 5 to the chase <laughs> Teach him how to fire a Hadouken and his life will be infinitely better. He'll be a stronger, smarter, more powerful man. Uh, Yeah, but ultimately more uh, a dull person. Right, uh, next question. Uh, All right, guys, love the show. (laughs) I was a big fan of Joypod and I think the new format is great, even though you're missing one egg-shaped paedophile. Jesus Uh, Christ! (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Let's not say that word. Go on. Egg. Let's not say egg. Egg shaped. <laughs> Gonna miss Sean when he's gone, even though he is a hipster indie game knob. Anyway, this is a horrible email. <laughs> Who is Sean's got a great beard. <laughs> no, he hasn't. Anyway. He's got a crap beard. It's got all like bits of white in it. Yeah, that's what I like really? about it. It's like cool. I like it, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm into it. Nice work on that beard, Sean. <laughs> if you're listening. Anyway, I've recently invested in a PSVR and I fucking love it. Uh, Res Area X was everything you talked it up to be. Me and my mate played through a whole game on a coke fueled birthday binge, Jesus and it Christ, blew out. What is going <laughs> on with He's <laughs> talking about the soft drink. What's wrong with you guys? And it blew our minds. Why do you think the worst of your fans? This is the second like drug related rant we've had today. Emails. <laughs> the, the other one was mushrooms. I keep getting fucked off with mushrooms and playing games. So. Have you checked how many people are listening to your podcast from prison? So I bet it's high. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It blew our minds, but Resident Evil 7 is by far the most impressive and immersive VR experience I've had. I don't think I've heard Matt mention Resident Evil 7, so I was wondering if he had tried it. It's the only proper game available for PSVR at the moment, and I'd love to hear his thoughts on it. Also, I wonder if Matt has any good tips for the VR porn. I've downloaded a couple of these... <laughs> Uh, but, but the women all look like they're nine feet tall. <laughs> Loud Amazonian women don't do it for me. Where is the good VR grot, Matt? That's from Ryan. Over yeah. to you, Matt Murray. Uh, um, yeah, on the subject of of that stuff, yeah, I mean, I, I tried it once and I also had the problem of like eight feet women. It was just, it really put me off my stroke. Um, <laughs> have you tried any uh, 4K porn? Uh, no, no, I, I, I'm, no, no, I haven't done yet. Um, oh, that, that, I didn't even Matt, think that, that really just sounded like you just thought of that. Like, well, no, because I, I was going to say there's such thing as like too much detail, and I, I'm not sure if I want to go that far. Anyway, yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. I'm not recording. Um, and but in terms of in terms of that stuff, so uh, they have since released an update with like I, I believe adding extra functionality into the media player. So it may just be a case of downloading it from certain websites and then playing it through that. But I don't know. I haven't done it for a long time. A uh, long time. Um, it's a lie. Evil, that is a lie. No, I just I did it at one time and it's just too much of a hassle and Bollocks. I had to make sure the house is empty and it's like it's <laughs> a it's a, the, the administration of that sort of thing. It's not. It's a nightmare. Anyway, cables everywhere, and it's just yeah, uh, Resident Evil. Um, yeah, so I mean, I played the demo, and uh, it took me about four nights because I was shitting my pants for most of it. I haven't actually got the full game, although 
I really enjoyed what played a demo, but I just got too much trouble playing to play at the moment. In terms of proper games on, on PSVR, there's also Robinson The Journey. I thought that was really good. Um, and that's much more a fuller-fledged uh, game. Uh, I haven't played Resi. Um, um, but Resi is exceptional in VR. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I think I think if you're going to, if you have PlayStation VR and you've not played Resident Evil, like, that is the way to play it. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it was a, a really good demo, but it's just, it's so, it's so scary, it's so intense. If I had that, it would probably yeah, last about yeah. six years, but, um, yeah. Matt's clearly a baby. So I, I'm a massive, it. massive baby. But, you know, it's, it's fucking intense. The problem with it is it, the movement type can be difficult. Like you, you've got basically two options. You've got the one where it just maps your movements and you can look around freely and that kind of stuff. But I think that a lot of people were getting motion sick because of that. Even if you weren't typically motion sick in VR, there was something about Resident Evil, um, that was causing it when you had that, that mode on. So they introduced the kind of incremental, um, viewpoint yeah. shifts. So you'd like snap into you know in like certain i think it's like 45 degrees increments yeah um and it, it can be a bit jarring when that happens but uh when i played it i felt like it was a more comfortable experience i, I wasn't feeling really sick with the original version but it was a little more less strain on my eyes and my mind but um i think they still both work and it's resident evil 7 is a freaking brilliant game um and playing it in vr kind of ups the horror and you get to really appreciate the design that went into that game and the crafting of those characters and the way they're presented um especially jack baker um so yeah it's it's well worth doing if you haven't i think it's the best game on playstation vr that shows off what vr is capable of and gives us you know hardcore type gamers something meaty to dig into yeah i I so hope sorry go on matt no, I was just gonna say, I really, I really pray to God Sony does loads of great VR stuff at E3. I, I worry they won't, and it will just, they'll, they'll just stop, and nothing will happen with it. But I hope there's like a second wave coming. Tomo, you did that live-action Resident Evil thing, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I did the uh, the escape how, room, which was really how cool. How hard was it to? I mean, did you try and get in character and stuff, or did you try and break it as soon as you? Uh, it was really, I don't know, I talked about it briefly on Chat Very Good, but, um, it was really, it was fun. Um, but, like, I grew up with, uh, cousins that, um, kind of enjoyed torturing me with, like, heinous horror films that I was clearly not meant to be watching as a child. Um, so I kind of got desensitized to a lot of horror stuff, so I don't get scared that easily. Um, but nevertheless, being in a scenario designed to kind of shit you up is, is enough to, it put me on edge, but, um, I wasn't like, I went in, so they send you in, in a pair and I was paired up with Lucy, who's, uh, works at GameSpot's video editor. Um, and she was more noticeably like on edge because, um, we, we were waiting for our turn and the person that went in before us came into like the waiting area, like, ranting and raving about how terrifying it was and he'd like fallen over and scuffed his knee so i was like mm, this looks a bit rough it could be quite terrifying then we went in there and it was it wasn't as bad as as I, he made it out to be but like they screwed up in that they gave us this fanny pack which is supposed to have a light in there and he i we didn't have the light in there so it was extra difficult for us to solve the puzzles but they had a few scenarios which were like i could like for example they had one where you're in a kitchen and um you're trying to make kind of like this poison um and uh the the kind of formula for the poison is in a near adjacent room and the adjacent room is a kind of like fridge where dead bodies were stored and it's pitch black 
And the only way for you to see around the room is to use this like uh, UV light, um, which is connected to a button on in the kitchen. So Lucy essentially had to hold the button down in the kitchen while I'm in the, um, the kind of uh, adjacent room looking for the thing. And obviously the, 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 the actual formula is on inside the, the fridge where the bodies are kept. <laughs> so you open this metal fridge and it's like a long tunnel. You've got to crawl inside this thing, you know, in the like CSI where they pull out the, um, the bodies on this little like, uh, yeah, yeah surface and it slides out. it's one of those so like i i open the top one and there's this just like it's really realistic arm hanging out and you can see a body in there so i'm like oh shit i gotta climb inside this fucking thing and i kind of like the idea of it shit me up a bit and i could like i got in there and i was kind of like a bit of an old curmudgeon about it i'm like yeah i bet you it's gonna close behind me and like i get in there and i'm kind of looking, rooting around, and I eventually find the formula, and there's a walkie-talkie in there, and I press it, and I'm speaking to Lucy. Lucy, at the time, opened a cupboard, and the cupboard was rigged to explode. <laughs> so, like, she opens it, it goes bang, and all I hear is, ah, from the other side of the room, and then across the walkie-talkie, and I was like, you're all right, Lucy. So it's like scenarios like that. And at one point we had to solve a puzzle and um, we weren't able to solve the puzzle because we couldn't see because we didn't have a flashlight. And the the, the person who plays um, Jack Baker and the kid, I forgot his name now, but he kicks the door in, comes running in and just puts bags over our head. Yeah, no, no. And this, drags us into a different none room. Of this, I would have got nowhere with this. No chance. It was, it was, it was really amazing because then like they they drag us into another room and they pull the bag off and we're seated at the dinner table from the game the opening of the game and the guy who plays jack baker who's a sweaty hairy man wearing a you know stained vest is walking around terrorizing us so he's like where are you from like and asking questions about our past and eventually he gets really aggressive and he like tells lucy to go and make him a drink so lucy gets up and goes to make him a drink and I I wasn't paying attention, but like she did it like super fucking agent. She had the poison vial. So she slips that into the drink and gives it to him. And he takes the drink and I don't know, the actor must have tasted the difference or something, but he basically knew, all right, I've been poisoned and starts stumbling around. So we're like, all right, this is, this is getting a bit weird. Then he's supposed to fall over. But what happened was he accidentally landed on the table and flipped this table into the air and utterly fucked the set. <laughs> at that moment, a guy just emerged from a cupboard, clearly like a stagehand <laughs> and looked at us like, Oh my fucking God, what's <laughs> happened here? And then he noticed, he looked around and everything. He just kind of like went, I guess I'll just let this play out and faded back into the kind of uh, background. <laughs> but like, I looked at the guy who played Jack Baker and the guy who plays the son. And they looked fucked. Like the guy who was the son, his legs were bent in a way that I did not think was normal. So like, I'm supposed to run up, grab a key and run away. But I was like, I need to fix these guys because they look well fucked. So I had to like unbend this guy's leg and then go up to the guy who's playing Jack Baker and like remove his arm from behind his head and kind of get him into a more comfortable position. <laughs> Just and then take the key away from Just him. Just run it around. Yeah. Like, people in the recovery like, position. <laughs> That's basically what I was doing. Um, you, you but yeah, it was really elbow. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was thoroughly KO at that time anyway. <laughs> so that would have been just overkill. But it was really, really, really fun and really fascinating. And it like it being in that scenario, it is quite unnerving. Um, but like I, I, 
I recommend it because you you get the adrenaline hit and the real the rush of it. And even though I didn't find it all that scary, like the scenarios were very very unsettling and unnerving. It looks a lot better um, than the one yeah, they was... did for uh, Halo Wars. I'll tell you that. <laughs> the one yeah, did. I did that one and that one. That one was quite funny. See, because in, in yeah. the first one, in the Resident Evil one, I was thinking, man, if I was there, I would definitely be in character for the whole thing. You know, I, I was watching some videos of some people doing it and going, hey, what's going on to the, like, the Baker family? I was just like, yeah, you're actually just destroying it. They put this all together <laughs> for you. Just, you know, play along. It did. It, it did reach the point where I decided I'm just going to screw this up because I, at a certain point, I realized that we were ill-equipped to solve the puzzles because we didn't have the flashlight. So, and in the room, in every room, there was a phone. So if you, if it, and they're monitoring everything. So if it looked like you were struggling, they'd give you a call and say like, have you tried looking under the desk to basically remind, you know, kind of push yeah. you in the right direction. So I like halfway through, I realized we're basically going to not be able to do any of the puzzles. So they kept ringing to try and push us in the right direction. They hadn't realized that we didn't have a flashlight, but eventually I just started getting pissed off. So every time they'd ring, I'd pick it up and be like, pizza hut, what's your order? And like kept doing like different, different, what would you call it? Restaurants to be like, uh, chicken licking. How can I help you? And eventually at one point, the actress, the lady on the other side broke and I heard her giggle for a second. And I was like, yeah, this will fit. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, so I started acting out towards the end. See, because it would have been better if someone just come out of the cupboard and went, all right, mate, stop fucking about. It's <laughs> <Stop laughs> a flashlight. Um, but it was, it was really well done and I enjoyed it. Like, it was fun. It was a unique experience. I'd never done one of those escape rooms and I'm looking to do another one now. It's quite cool, fun. Cool. I hope that answered your question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whoever you were. <laughs> whoever you were. Uh, Next. Resonate was good. Next Play. question. Um, okay. Uh, hello, boys. Uh, last night I had a dream that you invited me um, as a guest on an episode of TCGS. Oh, that's weird. But whenever I went to speak, I was always on mute and you couldn't hear me, which led uh, to David getting annoyed with me and treating me like he does James Farley, good. which I wouldn't wish on anyone. Well, I've had this. I've had this dream twice now. So my questions are. Why do you haunt my dreams? And what is your favourite game that involves being in a dream? Well, we don't haunt your dreams, mate. You're just so obsessed with the show that you're dreaming without coming on it. F- firstly, I'm happy that Dream David told you off because to just sort your fucking mic out. Do a test recording. We've been through this. It's the right. You deserve, <laughs> you deserve everything you got in that dream. What was the second part of that question? Uh, what sort of dreams in games have you enjoyed? Okay, uh, Catherine Mons. Getting yeah. chased by like all sorts of shit. And Catherine, that was good. Quite, quite like the puzzles and that. Have there been many dream sequences in games? I guess. Can't think of any. Max Payne had them, but they were rubbish. They were rubbish because yeah. you had to walk oh, yeah. around on that trail of blood, didn't you? you keep falling off. Yeah. Fucking terrible. Uh, although the bit where you're walking down the long corridor was good. That was quite clever. Other than that. Not much. Uh, the ending of Mass Effect 3 is tech. It might be a dream, maybe. Like, well, on. yeah, if you go by the fan theories or whatever. Which is a great <laughs> I'd fan say theory. a lot of people thought the ending of Mass Effect 3 was more of a nightmare to more. Uh, anyway, next question. <laughs> uh, can, you, can any of you name a game that would be playable whilst running on a treadmill? And that's from Capone. Of course it's Capone. Freeze. The game on iOS. <laughs> You could play that anywhere. Play it upside down if you want. Quop. Quop <laughs> is a quop. good shout. Definitely Quop. Guitar Hero. No, I don't know about that, but 
don't, I'm yeah. not with you on that one. Bejeweled. <laughs> you can play Bejeweled on a, while on a treadmill. Easy. Dance, dance revolution. You just put the arrows yeah. on, the, on the actual treadmill bit. <laughs> and then you've got to try and hit them as they're whistling along. That would be, yeah, I'm down with that. Play that on it. Next question. Okay. DB says... Oh, wait. I just remembered there's a dream sequence in Metal Gear Solid 4, which is incredible. Oh, what? What bit was that? Was that the bit with the eggs? I think it's... I think... What's the Shadow Moses thing before that? Maybe I'm remembering... But that wasn't a dream, though, was it? I seem to to remember him. Maybe it starts with him waking up from a dream. That's what confused me. Isn't it every time you go to sleep in... um, the evil no, woman. in uh, what do you call it? The uh, the Wolfenstein was it Wolfenstein, the new order or whatever, the new or order. the old blood one or two. Um, every time you went to sleep, you played the original Wolfenstein game, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, yeah, like that, that was alright. And there's there's like mini games in Metal Gear as well, actually Metal Gear Solid Three, where you're playing that weird action game. Why don't you let us know? Uh, tweet in with your favourite. Dream levels in the game. Uh, next question. Ren, subscribe. <laughs> DB says, I recently hit level 40 in Destiny after having uh, not played it at all for the first two years, and I have no idea what, Get a job. what half of the stuff in the game means. You're all part of the zeitgeist, but have you ever joined a big community game late in its lifespan? And what were your experiences of it? Is it even possible to get into a game like Destiny or Overwatch now and fully appreciate it, or do you have to be there day one? Uh, I tried World of Warcraft for a day and deleted it. <laughs> uh, that was a few fair few years after it, you know, sort of got big. They started putting those troll DVDs out in um, HMV and they were doing a sale. I think it was like 60p or something for a month's trial. And I went, okay, let me give it a go and deleted it very soon after giving it a go. Um, but I don't think that was got to do with any anything... Um, I don't think that's anything to do with coming to it late. I just it weren't my sort of thing. Uh, no, I think I've. I don't I've, know. I've, I've kind of got that with Destiny because I I've tried to play it like on PS4 recently, and it's. I mean, obviously, it's still really good, but it's you still feel that you're you're missing something because you're not sort of discovering things with people for the first time. You know, if I, if I play with you, you've seen it all. Yeah, so it's, it's true. Like you don't get the same kind of like buzz as it would have been if we'd have done it for the first time. Why was it? Yeah, if you get a group of like newbies together and be like, "Let's play Destiny together," mm-hmm. then it's then it's easy to kind of replicate the experience. And I think for Overwatch, Overwatch is like I said earlier, the mechanics of it so are so fundamentally sound that even if you come into it now, I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, and I mean, the problem with playing Destiny with me is that we've done those strike missions so often that I am literally just running. Come on. We, we need to go here now. We need to go here. And the first time yeah. we played them, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The best thing about Destiny was running the Vault of Glass for the first time with no help. It was incredible. Just an incredible week that was. Um, and you, you'll be hard pushed to find seven other people that want to do that now. Uh, was it seven? Or was it six, wasn't it? Six, yeah. Six, yeah. So five other people to do that. No, you're not, it's not going to happen. But man... One of the best gaming experiences in my life. That yeah, you know, in this like in this, um, I can't remember the name of the thing at the moment, but essentially they're, they're allowing people to play old levels and old raids and basically get old weapons that they haven't previously got up to now. Um, and they're basically 
doing one of the old raids each week or each fortnight with new stuff in them. So you, a lot of people are playing Bottle Glass now with, and and you get new you get new guns, new armor for finishing it. So uh, yeah, I, I'd love to go back and do it, but it's probably probably past me now. It's probably time to wait for Destiny Two. But yeah, that that first time we all, we all played with no help, no guides, no idea what was happening, trying to work out mechanics on the fly. It was it was so fun. I, I can't wait to do it again with Destiny Two. Annette, next question. Uh, that Dragon Cancer has just won a BAFTA for Game Innovation. There's a very sad story leading to its development, which stands out when compared to the traditional viewpoint of gaming being fun for kids. Can the pod think of any other subjects which, on the face of it, might might be an unlikely fit for computer games? I still can't tell the difference between Farley and Matt. Uh, and that's from Matt Stokes. How can you not tell the difference between wow. Farley and Matt? That That is mental. If they sound like they're, they're, they've really got the um, it's James. If they sound like they're being positive, it's Matt. It's simple, basic rules. Um, well, any subjects, really. Uh, I think there have been uh, horrific subjects covered by games, and I think you know they don't always do it justice or, or make the point that needs to be made. Um, but I don't think there should be any limitations in what you know subjects games approach. I think um, I'd agree because it's. I mean, any anything that any other medium can do, I don't see why games can't have a try as well. I mean, it may take a while to get you know like exactly in the right direction, but I don't see why they can't they can't do it as well. Yeah, indie games are exploring so much, and yeah. the, the definition of what an indie game and what games as we perceive them are, are, or as we know them to be, are so widely varied now. You know, there's people that are just making text-based games now that explore things that you know, visually oriented, you know, graphics and that kind of stuff, mechanically oriented games just don't touch. But I think there's there's plenty of stuff being explored and I think very slowly that stuff is working its way into mainstream bigger AAA games. Um but yeah, if you wanna if you wanna see what games are currently doing, like make sure you look at indie games. Like you've got stuff like Papers Please, which is more geared towards us, the, the kind of games that we know. But then there's loads of stuff on Itchio and smaller other indie websites that are just looking into things that you wouldn't believe games were exploring. Yeah, I played, um, do you know Actual Sunlight? Have you heard of that? Mm. I yeah. played that recently. I found yeah, it was very it's interesting. Mental health and stuff like that, yeah. right? it's a very interesting game. Yeah. Right, okay, should we, uh, one, one more maybe? Um, yeah, okay. Fuck. <laughs> I'll get to now. I'll get to be Which Which apparently um, means I hate the fans, but, uh, Seriously, right now I'm just shattered. Or oh, do you want to? Do you want to just move on to tweets? Are they any good? There's a couple tweets. of good ones. We'll say they're seen also next week. Come on, let's go tweets. Okay. Uh, Chris Mann says, uh, which video game character would you get to fill in on Sean's paternity leave? Uh, Duke Nukem. Yeah, well, always question. But, but like for like, why Luigi? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, uh, Luigi, obviously. Why uh, Sean? <laughs> I go for. <laughs> I'd go for Makoto and Jima. I've, I've got my reasons uh, for that, but you know, Ooh. probably, probably filthy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, go on. Next one is um, this is from Garrity. We've got Persona Five is out. So what Garrity. treasure would represent? Yeah. <laughs> what G Man Garrity? This one's from Garrity. Garrity. <laughs> well, the trouble is, is because I look at it here and it says Combine Hunter, and I couldn't remember the full uh, whatever. <laughs> this anyway, is from Garrity. Persona Five is out. So, what treasure would represent your distorted desire, and what is your and what is your palace? Then it says in brackets, James, please provide context. Yeah, I haven't got I a fucking clue what he's talking about. 
think of like a totem from uh, Inception. What one item would you think about? Oh um, right, gotcha. To, to um, kind of, yeah, to ground you. Oh, okay, that's easy. My new TV. <laughs> no, it's and supposed to be end. like your negative, negative sort of side of you. No, you know. if, if you're if all the shit in your life and all the terrible parts of you could manifest itself as one item, what would it be? A broken Atari um, Jaguar. My, my old TV. <laughs> uh, and at the end, it's just that spinning. Um, all the instruments that I've tried to and, play and given up, I guess. Ooh. A Nokia eighty two ten. No, that was that was living, wasn't it? That's the way it goes. Um, yeah, but mine was always broken. Yeah, I would say yeah. All the the ukulele that I've got that I've tried to play twice and then just thought, nah, <laughs> that's probably it for me. That's my answer, James. Mine, mine is probably a ticket to see Jay Seinfeld do stand up. That I I I couldn't I couldn't go to it because I hadn't hadn't done enough work and I was super behind on my work and I still got a ticket now. Hold on, surely it should be those tickets you bought for you and all your friends to go and see Louis C.K. where you pulled yeah, out the last minute, so we couldn't go and see him. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Well, wow. yeah, like pregnant wife, what can you do? Outrageous behaviour. Blame Jill. Blame Jill. I have and done my daughter. several times. She said yeah. there was no problem the, and you could have gone. The, you just couldn't be bothered the, to get up. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> when your pregnant wife says, yeah, mate, you can go to London for a gig. I know I'm in like immense pain. I'm probably quite poorly, but uh, it's fine. Yeah. I, I literally got a train out of London, gave her tickets and then left. That was fun. Wise. What? Fine. That Great was fun. stuff. That was, Cheers, That was real fun. Right. Uh, one more. Uh... Stanchel says, Dear TCGS, would you kindly discuss the smash hit Switch titles, Voa's Graceful Explosion Machine, Fast RMX, and Snake Pass? So, so Dave says one more tweet. So, so James chooses the one where he wants us to explain four Dave, different games. Please just say no. No, because I was going to say, say, no. say none of them because I ain't played any of them. So, yeah. yeah. Graceful no. was meant to be great. Um, I wish Sean was here, but um, because I, he says that's great. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. Fast RMX, I've got that. It's basically a, a fun. Wipeout slash uh, F Zero game. It's it's really fun. The multiplayer it feels like quite limited single player, um, but they're going to add time trials and some other multiplayer stuff soon, I believe. Uh, Snake Pass I hear is quite fiddly, but it's alright. Uh, Voez haven't played, but you can download it for free on iOS and Android. That's it. That's it. We're done. Yep. Good. Right. Okay. Great. Great answer to the show, guys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Computer Game Pod. You can email us. The Computer Game Show at gmail.com. We're also on YouTube, all, all the rest of the places. Get involved. Please leave us a review on <laughs> iTunes. That'd be awesome. And and tell your friends about the show because, you know, we just want more people to listen. So, you know, because that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Because then we can make the money, innit? Um, Tamor, thanks for coming on. You're very welcome. Do you want to plug your website? Uh, yeah, you can go to gamespot.com for <laughs> hot video game news. Um, <laughs> go to our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash gamespot. Um, yeah. And also listen to chat, very good. This was uh this was your um audition to replace Sean, so how do you think you did? Dunno, mate, don't really care to be honest. Oh, look at him trying to play. You tell cool. me how I did. You tell me how I did. I will do when well, I send no, your feedback we'll... form over. Listen. I was gonna say, yeah, don't call us etc. Bang on mate. <laughs> that was phenomenal. You ain't never gonna have a guest as good as me again. Did you hear that insight about the Xbox stuff? It was hell, certainly mate. some insight. Phenomenal. 
Good luck, whoever's following me up. It's going to be like trying to play Zelda, after, a game after Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, You're going to be like, why horizon. can't I climb shit? <laughs> that uh, Tamal's insight for the new Xbox brought to you by Eurogamer and Digital Foundry. Yeah, mate. I will, Not even uh, they provided commentary like that. <laughs> I will catch you next week. Thanks for living it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.